Are you a true crime junkie? Do you talk about true crime with your friends all of the time? And are there cases that have stuck with you for so many years because of geographic or emotional closeness? If so, then welcome to Fatalities. I'm Elisa Lucas, and this is the podcast where I explore true crime cases over tea with the help of my friends. Because without tea, friends, and good conversation, there's nothing but darkness and chaos. So grab a warm cup of tea and join me as my friends and I discuss the cases that have struck a chord with us and the related issues that might help us understand why such horrible crimes have occurred. The podcast is dropped every other Wednesday and is available on such podcatchers as Apple, Podbean, Spotify, and so much more. You may follow Fatalities on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, but don't forget that T's is spelled T-E-A-S, because here is where we spill the tea. I'm April. And I'm Steph. You're listening to The Thirst. You can find us online, Twitter, we're at The Thirst, soundcloud.com forward slash The Thirst Pod. You can find us on Apple Podcasts by searching The Thirst. Instagram, we're at The Thirst Pod, and you can email us, thethirstpod at gmail.com if you want to send us some feedback and questions. Thank you to everyone that's downloaded our episode, told their friends, subscribed. You can also find a list of articles that we mentioned in the episodes on our blog, which is thethirstpod.tumblr.com. Um, also, we suggest checking out the show notes because we've now started putting references um, and links to the blog and also also uh, timestamps timestamps finally it's only taken us 24 yeah, episodes right. so, to realize that might be a good idea yeah so if there's anything in particular that you don't want to listen to because you haven't watched it yet or you want to jump to it then you should be able to find the timestamps in the notes now um this is episode 24 have 24 you 24 with keitha sutherland oh good i didn't go did that, that in media study didn't i did an episode of that in media studies did you actually i've yeah. got um 24 hour party people oh that's a good one the, uh, the film about factory records and yeah. the hacienda 24 was harder than i thought i also put the current age of harry styles oh that's so a good one lovely piece did of you there. watch much of 24 um no literally just that one episode oh, media i watched studies. all of season one did you it was enough for me keith the sutherland used to be really hot but he's not a hot older he man. hasn't aged well no he hasn't has i he? would say that his dad's probably more handsome than he is which yeah is saying something. yeah that is saying something but cool. yeah no not fast no not fast no. cool won't be mentioning that again <laughs> no great chat um on to some news so um awards season is in full swing the golden globes or nominations were announced last week um we've talked about the golden globes before in particular how they're sort of a precursor to the oscars i.e who could win what awards but also that they're liable to fur up some strange nominations and also make some glaring omissions um it was also announced this year that in january when the ceremony takes place so next january 2019 not in the um, past not in the past in the past it's always confusing because it is everything's completely screwed up in these awards don't understand it um andy sandberg and sandra O will be presenting um they appeared at the emmys this year to uh announce a nomination and apparently they got on so well that golden globes that's like a golden globes ceremony that i'd actually watch i mean i for one was quite pleased fucking love andy Sandberg, love Sandra and her hair. So much. Truly. Oh, they're going to be a joy, aren't Glorious they? combo. Um, the ceremony this year was hosted by Seth Meyers, who did a great job, but it would be nice to see um, Sandra O oh and who I don't think has ever presented an awards ceremony. I don't think so. No, Andy Sandberg has before, but I think Sandra O oh is going to be the first Asian person to um, host a major awards ceremony of God, any kind. God, in 2019, I mean, we really are right? far behind. 
find, aren't we? Uh, um, the Golden Globes are overseen by the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, who is mostly international critics. They're known for nominating films that baffle people. Um, <laughs> yeah, to say the least. Apparently, yeah. I was reading this week about it, and apparently it's basically like the, what the Hollywood Foreign Press Association like is people that are willing to go to all these dinners. and They just and like celebrities, and right? Just, so... It's like celebrity. It's basically what I the equivalent of what I think we would want. Is yeah, that, I was about to say, if they hired us for the HFPA, yeah. this is what we would do. We would just nominate the films because we want to meet the famous person in that film. Or it would be like, oh yeah, that famous person took a selfie with me. They're yeah. going to get my Yeah, exactly. That is literally what it is. So yeah. it, they are baffling. Right. So rather than just going through the nominations, because mm. that would take far too long, I've got some general thoughts about it. So mm. one thing that has come out of it is that Vice, which is the biopic about Dick Cheney. That has, isn't out yet. That isn't out yet. has six nominations. It's only, it's been seen by critics and voters, but interestingly, it's currently under embargo. Yeah, until, until the 25th of December. Yeah. So, so everyone on Christmas Day is just suddenly going to be starting to talk about Vice. Right. All I know about this is directed by Adam McKay. He did the big short uh, Step Brothers. Um, but it's another excuse for Christian Bale to just like bulk up. And yeah. put, he's known for his uh, commitment to roles. He yeah. was in The Machinist where he lost shitloads of weight and yeah. was disturbingly thin. He's a man of extremes. Uh, this time around, though, he's bulked up and put on a lot of weight to play Dick Cheney. I've written here as well, lol at Bohemian Rhapsody. Honestly, I don't know why that's in there. Baffled. I mean, I, I mean... The thing is with the Golden Globes, or particularly right now, is I'm not an expert on this. Of course So I not. feel vastly, vastly underqualified right. to have any opinions on this. Also, there are so many of these films I haven't seen, mostly because so many of them aren't even out yet. Yeah. Like Mary Poppins Returns, Vice, If Bill Street Could Talk, The Favourite, no, none of them are out It's here. weird for us, isn't it? So we, we don't see like most of them. Mm. I haven't seen Bohemian Rhapsody. Haven't heard great things. It's just weird, really. I don't it? care about Bohemian. Oh no, Rhapsody I don't care at all. At all, and I have no intention of watching it. So no, but... the thing the thing that I get from it is people go, ah, oh, but you know, like the musical bits are really good. It's like just watch a Queen video. Yeah, I've just heard largely negative things about it. It's in particular the way that it represents Freddie Freddie Mercury's life, etc. Right. So I've just got really no interest in seeing it. But... I mean, are you sort of not? I'm sort of not surprised it got nominated. No, I'm but not. Also, it's just like silly. Hollywood do love musical biopics. I mean, what I thought was quite funny as well is that Vice was also nominated for uh, musical or comedy. The, what? The, so the, the genre... Th- well, not the categories the genre, are the mad. The category things are mad. So firstly, you've got to, you've got the choice of best drama or best comedy musical. There are no other sure. categories in the whole world. No. Just those two. So you're trying to like shoehorn all these films into like the best drama role also, and it's like oh I guess this film isn't really funny so I guess it's a drama also it's 2018 how many musicals come out these days honestly right? why is Bohemian Rhapsody in drama but not in musical it's clearly musical because it's got music in it's just it's weird. none of it makes sense and I don't know why there is I don't know why they chose drama and like comedy slash musical it's such as a, a weird is it just a really old hangover it feels like something that just needs to be like revised considerably because it's mm. just odd um, Timmy of course was nominated Nominated for Best Supporting Actor, though. Yes. Will he be Adam Driver, I think, is well, the question. Well, I've also, in follow-up to this, I've written, I would bone all of this category. Yes, well, that's some valuable input there. I would also <laughs> bone all of this category. So, Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell, yeah. Adam Driver. Yeah. Richard E. Grant. Yeah. Probably would. Mahershala Ali. Oh, yeah. 100%. So Definitely. that's. I think Timmy will get this based on the Hollywood schmoozing thing. Yeah. I think he's so good at charming people. He's on the that charm That all offense. of the HFPA are going to be like, oh my God. Yeah, absolutely. I can't say that Adam Driver is particularly into that kind of stuff. No, so. that's why I think he probably won't get it. Although I think lots of people are probably hoping that he will, who aren't the voting. 
Yeah, definitely. Also, of course, um, A Star Is Born got lots of nominations. Surprise, surprise there. Five um, nominations. I'm just on the TV front as well. I don't know if you bothered looking at the TV ones. I just sort of forget that Golden Globes also nominates television. Yeah. It's, it's just a strange, film. It? But I've written, um, why is American Crime Story still a thing? I had no idea that was still a thing. I've heard it's good. Yeah. But I haven't watched any of it. I don't think, I didn't even finish the O.J. Simpson one. No, neither did, did I. No, I started it but didn't finish it. Um, I also quite like that Kieran Culkin was nominated for success. Session. I mean, good good job, Kieran. I really want to watch. Has a Culkin been nominated for a? Who knows? Didn't who fact check. Who knows? And nice to see the nice to see Killing Eve. Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Watch The Alienist, and I watch Sharp Objects. So there you go. I'm sort of qualified to say. Oh yeah, I was going to ask good. you about your thoughts on The Alienist. Um, was... I did like The Alienist. I don't know if it's like award winning. Ah, oh, it's pretty good, but uh, it's fine. It just goes into this whole weird weirdness of all of it, really, doesn't it? Um, some sort of notable uh, snubs as well. Um, Atlanta, the show itself, did. Did not get any nominations though. Mm. Donald Glover is nominated for best performance in musical mm. or comedy, which seems strange. Also on the Killing Eve front, Sandra O oh was nominated, but um, and so was the show. But Jodie Comer Jody wasn't, wasn't nominated, which I think is a bit of a yeah. farce. But fine. I mean, good for Sandra O oh, though. Absolutely. Um, interestingly, there are obviously no women in the director category again. Um, also, I'm quite taken by the fact that Widows didn't get anything, which we'll come on to later. Does that count within the? It does. It does yeah, count. Yeah, I within think. The... Strange, I would have thought that would be up there. I'm, I would have thought that would be in the Oscar running. So I'm really, really surprised. Yeah, Steve McQueen has made some films in the past. That, Why is Mary Poppins Returns in there? Baffled. Do you think that looks like a terrible movie? Uh, I quite want to see it, but... I think it looks awful yeah i'm i mean everyone's gonna tell me i'm wrong but i think it no i think i'll probably go and watch it because it's christmas and it's quite like a festive film i'll probably go with my mum yeah yeah it is it's a mum film also Um, i mean i know mary poppins has been like it won oscars and stuff like the original but best drama who mary poppins that's got singing in it Um, is it not a musical also the thing i've taken most personal offense against is that ethan hawke wasn't nominated at all you'd say that um and i Um, feel that's definitely I yeah I mean I thought so I sort of expect First Reformed to maybe be in the Oscar running and yeah therefore, I'm surprised um, but I thought that Ethan Hawke would definitely be mm. he's received lots of other nominations and awards in recent for sort of local just not critics like in flat like taste can say I maybe thought First Man might be as well I haven't seen it but very surprised. Weird. Especially because it's Damien Chazelle, of course, yeah. who did La La Land and Ryan Gosling as well. Yeah. And Claire Foy as well, which I'm quite surprised by. Strange. But... Nice to see Black Panther. I yeah. mean, again, drama, sure. But, Fine. I mean, at least there's not a popular film category. That's good, isn't no, it? No, I and mean, it's interesting that it's sort of bucking the trend of being a kind of comic book, you know, superhero mm, film. Yeah. It's good that it's getting nominated. It's nominations. actually nominated. It's never going to win in a million years. No, but... but... I mean, good for it to be there. That's it, it's there. It's quite... Well, we we mentioned the the female directors, but it's... Is it a diverse list? You've got Constance Wu, who's been nominated for Best Lead Actress, and she's the first Asian woman in 44 years... Yeah. <laughs> ...to be nominated, so... Isn't that kind of Honestly, when when it's, like, first... As you said, like, Sandra Oh, first... Really? We're still having firsts... I know, at this it's point mad. ...in our lives. We've had, like, a first black president, but we, we still can't have, like, an Asian woman nominated for a Golden Globe. It's like, wild. Yeah, I feel like we're getting it, it's getting better in some respects and then just literally not changing it. I feel like you just have to take what you can get at this point, which is so depressing, but it's like, it's. I suppose it's still, it's mad that it's still baby steps, but at the same time, like, at least there is some shift. Yeah, yeah. we're really like class with straws here, aren't Especially we? Especially, like, we truly are. Let's try and take some favour from this. I feel like that's just um, 2018 all over. All so, over. I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to the ceremony just because of Andy Sandberg and Sandra Oh. Yeah, we should watch that. Um, and it's also just sort of interesting as a lead up to the Oscars, which I sort sort of care a bit more about but yeah but there you go award season um is upon us yes award season is upon us closely following the golden globes we had the grammy nominations which 
um, I think came out the day afterwards actually. So it it's felt really 60, close. Yeah, 61st Grammys. I think they were supposed to come out the day before, but then uh, old President George Bush died. Selfish. So uh, I know, I know, terrible. So the 61st Grammy Awards will air on the 10th of February on CBS, broadcast live from the Staples Centre in Los Angeles. Any acts nominated for the awards need to fall within uh, the 1st of October 2017 and the 30th of September 2018. Such weird parameters. It is really weird parameters. So there's already a few people that have kind of, I can think of, that have sort of fallen with that outside of that bracket. Two most nominated people are Kendrick Lamar, who leads with eight nominations, and Drake, who follows with seven. Yep. I've got Brandy Carlisle and six nominations. Any idea? Country really? isn't she? Country. Mm, Fine. Not, it's just not a big thing over no, there, is it? it? Country is completely passes us by. It's yep. just so she's the most nominated woman with six. Um, you've also got quite a few people with five nods. So you've got Cardi B, Childish Gambino, Lady Gaga. I feel like most of these are sort of unsurprising. Like Childish Gambino, Drake, Kendrick Lamar, I sort of expected. Yeah, they're people I sort of would anticipate would probably get Grammy nominations. I mean, do you care about the Grammys? Not really, no. no I don't. No. There used to be a time where I'd found the Grammys quite interesting. Again, they're really baffling as well. They are so, so confusing. Isn't, those weren't surprising. No. Absolutely not surprised by Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper. Although, should Bradley Cooper be nominated in any way for a Grammy? I don't know. He's only it's, just started singing, I do. Really, I do quite like the idea of it, but what I find interesting about the Star is Born nominations is that it's, it is only shallow. Yeah. It's not the rest of the soundtrack. Because I think, I think that came falls, falls outside of... So I think maybe next year. Imagine if next year, next year as well. everyone was like, oh, remember Star is Born, the soundtrack? Let's It sweeps the awards in the Grammys 2020. That'll I genuinely be, think it will. That'll be really silly, won't Imagine it? Imagine if but, Bradley Cooper wins a Grammy. Oh, it's a bit... It's a bit silly, isn't it? Where, where's all this Post Malone stuff come from? That's, I don't understand that's Post Malone. Past, no, I don't get it at all. But like, actually nominated sorry, for listeners. Grammys. Yeah, sorry, don't get it. Don't get um, it. Nice to see Janelle Monae. Of course. Nominated for Album of the Year. Her reaction was extremely, extremely I watched, cute. I watched the video where she finds out and it's so sweet. Um, are you surprised that the Black Panther soundtrack received so much praise? Um, I really like that record mm-hmm. as, a, as a sort of solid I think it's great. entity. So I think it's really good that it's gotten um, as much recognition as it has eight nominations is, is way more than I a- yeah. anticipated I so feel like Black Panther is probably going to get more music recognition at the Grammys than the film that she's yeah. going to get in any yeah, kind of absolutely Dua Lipa and Georgia Smith as best new artist I, I mean Dua Lipa is very like yeah I guess 2017 what year are we at yeah 2017 yeah. for me so that's I mean great but well, one thing I do find quite funny about the Grammys is that because there's that scene in A Star Is Born where they're oh at my the god Grammys, are we all just going to be waiting for Bradley Cooper to piss himself all I can think about now when I think about the Grammys is A Star Is Born just in my head they're performing right Bradley Cooper's performing yeah they are and all I think about is Halsey just announcing the winner being like oh Ali how lovely I hope Um, they I hope they call them I hope they recreate that I hope they just recreate the whole thing and then Bradley Cooper wheeze himself and falls on the floor (laughs) that would be beautiful why are we nominating the Backstreet Boys and Justin Timberlake for anything in I forgot that Justin Timberlake record came out that was rubbish I'm sorry I know Filthy I I, I played Filthy into the ground because it's such a great song I got told the other day that that was one of my like tracks of the year yeah, like, same. like fuck I don't think I played it that much I, I think, think Spotify's lying I think I did but that's just... one song I didn't but the rest of it that Man of the Woods Boring. thing it was a bit much wasn't Boring. it so that's yeah 
what why is everyone moaning that Taylor Swift got snubbed for best album like oh, God, so she got nominated for best pop, pop vocals as far yeah so like, i've written like album really on the snubs front i've written that taylor swift's reputation wasn't nominated for album of the year but it is nominated for pop, pop so it's vocal fine. album um, i think it's actually more interesting that ariana grande was completely locked out she she got not didn't she get nominated for hang on she got best pop solo performance she's been nominated for. yeah which i don't but understand but there's nothing for sweetener which is baffling to me because it's yeah. one of the best records that came out this year i did quite like as well that sufjan stevens was nominated for mystery oh of yeah Love. again because of the time like slot i forgot that that and the can we buy your name soundtrack like yeah. best compilation that that would fall within this year so that's lovely um mystery of love 100 won't win because it's in the same category as shallow from star is born which yeah, is yeah so we know gonna that's win. gonna win but um that song is amazing can i just talk about one category category in particular mm-hmm. so grammys like the golden globes the categories are so hilarious to me but i've written hilarity of the metal performance oh my category God. that's so, what i put as well the, trivium and under oath trivium under oath deaf heaven between the buried and me high on fire April. cruel under oath have been nominated for a grammy it's <laughs> not weird under oath is still a band who i literally when i read that category i was like i didn't even realize any of those people were still bad oh, i knew that deaf heaven were but I, the others fine i just kept thinking like in terms of the categories these awards would be so different if they were in the uk Wouldn't because they? i i think i doubt we'd have one country category let no. alone 50 i did like i think casey musgraves is nominated for some and i quite enjoyed that record this nice year, but um fine. have you got any thoughts on best improvised jazz solo uh Lots of thoughts, none of which I'd like to air in the public forum. What about best contemporary Christian music performance slash song? Don't know. Don't best new age album. <laughs> what? What are these categories? The Grammys are so dated. It's so weird. Anyway. All of these, yeah, both of these things are just completely dated and weird, aren't they? I mean, but... hopefully the ceremony will just get lots of decent performances out of people. You know, imagine if Sufjan performs. A dream. That would be amazing. We are just waiting for that. That's that my performance dream. of Shallow, though. That's, that's what everyone's waiting for. Just a final piece of news, which I would like to talk about because it ruined my Friday. Um, last week, the <laughs> teaser trailer for the new Avengers film dropped. And the next installment of the MCU is called Avengers Endgame, perhaps appropriately drawing attention to the fact that the follow-up to this year's Infinity War might be the last outing for several of the OG Avengers because uh, Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans and Chris Hemsworth in particular, all their contracts are up. Hi. The trailer shows the bleak aftermath of Infinity War and, spoiler, what life is like after Thanos uh, destroyed 50 percent of the population so iron man is alone in space food water ran out four days ago and oxygen in his uh, ship going captain america is reeling from coming back from the brink and not saving anyone thor is looking sad and pensive um, so is bruce banner some surprises in the trailer hawkeye is back and in his ronin form which is an alias used in the comic to signal hawkeye's shift into darkness um, i'm going to assume that, that means he's lost all of his family as he was retired because he wanted to live with them ant-man turns up at the end too um poor rudd yay Ant-Man anyone care? Uh, I haven't seen Ant-Man and the Wasp it's on my list of things to do over Christmas I'm glad you'll cover it you can cover it Um, but yeah just this trailer particularly I was out and I couldn't watch it and it was causing me a degree of stress um, because I just desperately wanted to see it you're not fussed I'm not massively fussed I'll grant that this was sort of more emotional than anticipated yeah Tony Stark at the beginning that was you know it got me in the feels man I don't know what I was expecting and I didn't I sort of knew that something was imminent because um, lots of chatter online has 
suggested that there would be a, a trailer before the end of the year. But I mean, I've spent this year kind of getting like rehyped on the MCU. That's good. Um, so I am kind of quite looking forward to seeing where the final instalment yeah. of this saga goes. Yeah, what is it? Phase. Isn't phase. It? Oh, phases. sorry. Yes, phases. The phases. Is Cap crying in this in this trailer for Bucky or for his beard? Well, I've written some initial thoughts, and the first of which is, where is Captain's beard gone? I think that's been the biggest reaction online as of course, well. It's well upset me. Very clean shaven. I feel like the Cap's photo of Peggy Carter in his pocket watch yeah. should have been Bucky Barnes. Yeah. Because clearly he's actually more distraught. I think that, I mean, everyone Bucky knows that. Uh, how is Ant-Man alive? What does this mean for the involvement of Captain Marvel? The film Yeah, where which... is Captain Marvel's not, not around well, yet? Well, at the end of um, Infinity War, there was the beeper which sort of alerted to the fact that Captain Marvel was looming. Um, that film is out in March, which and then Endgame is out in April. So it would be really interesting really to see. really soon. It is soon, isn't it? Is it? Really it felt soon. like it was ages away, but then actually, I forget that Infinity War came out in April this year. Yeah. So, Are you going to be mad at me if I'm unmoved when we're in the, the cinema? Um, Are you going to want to go to a midnight screening? No, probably not. Oh, okay, fine. I, I, I was really excited to go and see Infinity War, and I did go and see it twice, but I didn't want to go at midnight. Do you want to go and see it at View, where it's like three pound thirty four? Obviously, with my view card. Cool. That's why That's I went and then. saw it for a second time on my own. Mm. I think what I enjoy most about us talking about the whole MCU mm-hmm. is that you're sort of gaining, like you've, I think, you know, as you say, like renewed interest yeah. in it this time around. So you've got like legitimate thoughts. Mm-hmm. I'm just sitting. <laughs> Having like some really whack opinions on like yeah, but I like that though. Mostly, who's attractive? Because I, I think I, it must make so many people irate. I feel like and I enjoy I, that. What I feel like I like the most about my reinvigorated interest in the MCU is that actually like it's interesting, but also I, it's solely rooted in like basically how much I fancy like everyone. About, yeah, I think people in my work talk about that ranking of the Marvel characters that we did at least once a week and like to remind me that I didn't put a Nazi at the bottom of the list. No, baffled by... Do you think that's Sorry. our cultural legacy? I think that might be our cultural legacy, yeah. which I'm really ashamed Ooh, of. You know what we can do is after Endgame, we can revisit it. Oh my God, can we? Yeah, shall we? Like we'll a do... whole two-hour special yeah. on re-ranking yeah. all of the mine attractive might, people in Avengers. To be honest, mine might change because I really am um, turned off by the lack of beard on, on Cap now. Oh my God, is he going to actually fall off the, the... No, it might just like the top two might shift. Who was your number two again? I think it was probably Bucky Barnes. Oh yeah. But he's I, dead now, so... Well... Who yeah. can say? Bucky Barnes' corpse, or... I'm definitely putting whatever his name, the Nazi one, at the bottom. Right, Nazi Red Skull. What's his name? Red Skull? Is Red it? Skull. I can't remember. He can sit at the bottom, and yeah, maybe I'll put, like, Baby Groot a bit higher up. Thanos? Thanos? No, he still looks like a ball bag, so he's not... Um, is he retired now? Is he a farmer? Is... He was in a field, wasn't he? Yeah, he's, like, set his costume he's up on a scarecrow and stuff. He's running through a field of wheat like Theresa May. Yeah. Oh, oh my, my God. God. Is Thanos Theresa May? Yeah. Stay they, tuned. They begin with the same... What, name <gasps> sorry i haven't had a lot of oh sleep gosh. but yeah they're okay that's a new conspiracy anyway this is actually the Theresa may of the avengers universe <laughs> if you haven't watched the endgame trailer i'd suggest doing so um it'll probably keep going until um april when we come back and We're get to revisit our, until april. yeah constant until i see it and then get to revisit our, our chartings so on to things um, that we've been enjoying. Films first. Uh, we've been to the cinema. I know we've only been to the cinema once really recently. I feel like we? we went through a period where we were going like relentlessly and then when I was actually looking back at the things that have passed since we recorded last time I was like oh I've actually They all came out at once, once didn't they? There was yeah. like a sudden flurry. Yeah there's like Christmas priorities now and all that garb right. so we haven't been as much but um, the last thing we saw together was uh, Widows. Yep. The new film from Steve McQueen who's the British 
British director and screenwriter behind 12 Years a Slave, Hunger and Shame. He comes to Widows uh, with, is it Gillian Flynn? Right, so I say Gillian because in this country we say Gillian, but the way that she pronounces her name is Gillian. Is Gillian, oh, we should probably. So So Gillian Flynn, uh, who's the writer of Gone Girl, so she's written the screenplay with Steve McQueen. Widows is actually based upon uh, an ITV miniseries from Linda LaPlante, which came out in 1983, um, and that was of the same name um, and roughly the same kind of premise. So um, the film features an ensemble cast consisting of Viola Davis, Michelle Rodriguez, Elizabeth Debicki, Cynthia Erivo. This is quite. I'm hoping I get everyone's names right. Colin Farrell. Uh, I'm sorry, Daniel... you said you said Colin Farrell wrong. Sorry, did I? Farrell. <laughs> Colin, Colin Farrell, Daniel Kaluuya, Carrie Coon, uh, Liam Neeson, Robert Duvall. Lots and lots and lots and lots of people. Many like, people. A crazy, crazy cast. The cast is wild. Yeah, so the, the basic plot is that uh, the widows of the ITV land has been transported from London over to Chicago for this film. Um, and the film begins with a police shootout which leaves four thieves dead during an explosive armed robbery attempt. Their widows, Veronica, Linda, Alice and Belle, have nothing in common except a debt left behind by their spouse's criminal activities. Hoping to forge a future on their own terms, Veronica joins forces with the other three women to pull off a heist that her husband was planning. So it's quite the departure from McQueen's previous films. What did you think? I really liked this and I'm really surprised by how few people I know have seen it, which absolutely baffles me. Does it seem like it's quietly kind of... Yeah. I, I There fu- hasn't been the fanfare that I kind of expected from no, it. No, which I feel like is really interesting. So Steve McQueen is a director whose work I absolutely adore. He's um, like such a big deal. Shame's one of my most favourite films, as is Hunger. I mean, yeah. it's interesting because this is the first film that he's made without Michael Fassbender. Mm, yes, it is, isn't it? Yeah, That's and worth obviously noting. McQueen's last film is 12 Years a Slave, mm. which was the adaptation of Solomon uh, Northrup's um, autobiography of his experiences as a sort of a slave in the 1800s in mm. the United States. I mean, so, yeah, Stephen McQueen's work is something that I always come to with great anticipation, and I, I really loved this. I really enjoyed it I feel it like well. it's such an interesting film to see in 2018. I think it says really interesting things about racial and sexual politics. Mm-hmm. It's such an interesting twist on the traditional heist formula. We've had quite a few of those this year as well. It's like, it's almost like the sort of grim alternative to Ocean's 8, isn't it? And we've had American, anim- American Animals, yeah. is that what it was called? Yeah. Yeah, we've seen, for me as well, the, I've seen quite a few heist movies this it's year. It's funny, isn't it? And mm. I was thinking about Ocean's 8 and that's that was an all-female cast and it seemed really lazy to compare Widows to it because the two are so far apart. But it's quite just quite funny to me that they came out in the same year. They do form like interesting parallels though because, you know, Ocean's 8 is kind of really squeaky in that, you know, everything is so well planned and goes yeah. off without a hitch and this seems like the sort of tough kind of messy, messily executed alternative. I'd sort of written actually about Ocean's 8 that I said like this seemed, that seemed quite frivolous and light-hearted. Whereas did, Widows definitely. for me had like a lot more real world implications. Yes, there yeah. was a really interesting piece on The Ringer by Alison Herman. It says, Widows is not a movie that celebrates female solidarity for solidarity's sake, nor goes out of its way to announce and congratulate itself as the rare crime story about women. It just simply is. Mm. And I think that's a really interesting way of describing the film, that it's just like, that's what it is. It's 
it's not very self like I do feel a bit I did enjoy Ocean's 8 but it did feel a bit like self-congratulating like look at us we've replaced the cast yeah. with women and in Ocean's 8 know. as well it was really easy to sort of have the equivalents like so you could say like oh well um, Sandra Bullock clearly yes. she's playing the George Clooney role Kate Blanchett is the Brad Pitt mm. role like they were absolute equivalents whereas you know it's kind of like Ghostbusters as well when yeah. people were like oh look like all female Ghostbusters it didn't like it, it didn't have the same vibe this no film. absolutely it was just like the way that it was presented this is quite 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 a diverse female cast Mm. but it was just like that's what's just happening that's 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 the situation they're in and that's the situation we're in yeah there's some amazing performances in it and actually for a film that has a very large cast and a lot of characters like in the game i didn't get like i didn't feel lost i didn't feel like anyone lacked screen time or had too much screen time so i thought it was really well balanced but yeah, there's some killer performances. Viola Davis, as always, is oh my just word. amazing as so Veronica. Good. She has this kind of like, um, you know, she's obviously dealing with the implication of her husband's death mm. and, and we later learn that their son has died as well. And she's yeah. this woman that's obviously battling with a lot of grief, but she maintains such an icy cold front. You know, initially when she goes to the women who she wants to get involved mm. in this in this heist, she basically says to them, like, you have to get involved with she it. She basically blackmails them, She absolutely she? blackmails them. And it, it's, it's not that you, you're not kind of like sat there thinking like god that's really outrageous like what a bitch you're just sort of like that's just what she's she's that's, gotta get it done like, that's obviously how it. she's learned to deal with with the things that life presents her mm-hmm. and I just I was really like absolutely overwhelmed by her performance because yeah, I just think so she thought she was fabulous and I also mm-hmm. think there's really standout performances from from people like Mich- Michelle Rodriguez as yes. well who's someone that has been in action films you know she's yeah. known most notably for The Fast and the Furious mm-hmm. but this to me her just, stuff hasn't been very character driven has no, it? No and this to me I was just really blown away by actually it's mm. like she's someone that like if you give her a, a, a serious role in like a I don't, I don't want to say serious film no. but it's something that's quite a contrast to Fast mm-hmm. and the Furious and she was amazing like yeah. I was just like you know fair play yeah everyone's realised that Daniel Kaluuya plays a really good bad oh guy oh my god terrifying terrifying that like gymnasium so sequence or whatever I jumped out of my chair at that that, that was, was one so of the um, I've written about some sort of things in particular that I quite liked about it and, and his performance as Shateme where he is just this sort of like really ruthless like I don't know he's not calm but he's no. just he's like, like a, he's a unsettling. psychopath isn't he he's so he's unsettling psychopath you know every time that he's in a scene that like something's gonna happen and he's just gonna deliver it with absolute mm. like just doesn't give a fuck olivia the dog uh who also <laughs> starred in game night i loved that uh, delivers the plot twist of the film oh, that was pretty good that little westie she's yeah. so cute i mean i also was really impressed with colin farrell oh um, yes and but what, not his accent oh god that was my one bugbear i think is that like he's so handsome so he's though. supposed to be playing someone that is he's from chicago but he's from an irish family but just, just, just give him an Irish accent. Just be just, Irish. Just, it doesn't work otherwise, um, does it? Also, really loved Brian Tyree Henry mm-hmm. as well, who plays Jamal. He's someone who so good work I really enjoyed in Atlanta. He's great in Atlanta. Um, so it's just really great to see him in this film, and and he sort of treads that line between someone who obviously wants to turn his life around by being an alderman and running mm. for this political position, but mm. he's obviously got this kind of like underground kind of like crime yeah. background, yeah. and how he balances the two, I just think mm. is is brilliant. The plot twist, I think, isn't the biggest surprise ever. No. But I still found very satisfying. So The way that it was executed was really, really Executed really, really really well. well. Like, very cleverly done, even though you kind of... Not that you saw it coming, but it wasn't, like, the biggest reveal ever, really, I don't think. Um, My biggest bugbear um, was the opening scene with Viola Davis and Liam Neeson 
wet snogging. Oh yeah, that Do was. Do you a, remember? That now? was a funny kiss. Wasn't Lots it? of tongues, and it was just a bit grim. Didn't so. need to see that going on with Liam Neeson's mouth. I mean, I'm I'm glad they're in love and everything, but it was so wet. Yeah. I just couldn't think about anyone kissing me. It like was that. a bit like God. close your mouth, Liam Neeson. Yeah, I mean, I just I was really really impressed with it, and I I'm really surprised by the fact that it's sort of silently gone under right? the radar. So wait, I and, really um, hope other people are going to watch it. Yeah, and I do hope that like the it's not completely locked out of the Oscars because I do think that Viola Davis and also Elizabeth Debicki as well, who mm-hmm. played Alice, her performance was was really brilliant. So I do hope that there is some recognition. Um, I'd be yeah for those personally, guys. I'd feel personally surprised if it wasn't just because I think it's worthy of like Absolutely. Oscar nominations. Yeah, I mean it just I mean it looks great as well. I've written here about the continuous take from the hood of the car while yes. Jack is in well, yeah. Colin Farrell's character Jack and his campaign manager they go from an all black neighborhood to his house while having quite a racially charged conversation which I think is like one of my favourite scenes that's an amazing scenes. shot isn't it it's amazing yeah, from the car and you can just hear them like off off screen in the yeah. I feel like if you had to kind of take something from the film that really encapsulates what it's about um, that's one in particular mm-hmm. there was a Miles Surrey from The Ringer really brilliantly described it as it says that it um, brilliantly distills the disassociation between Jack's constituents in an impoverished neighbourhood and his swanky mansion that's only a few blocks away just within the district limits it's what makes Widow's work in miniature rich political subtext with stylish packaging Mm. which I thought was just a brilliant way of actually what the film gets up Mm, absolutely I do I'm not really sure I'm slightly baffled as to why it's gone under the radar because with a cast like that and a director like that I just don't quite understand it. I can't tell if it's to do with when it was released. Did it come out around the Star is Born or something? I don't know. Well, I think it came out November time, which means yeah. it would have been a few weeks after Star- after a Star is Born. I guess what that's when all the hype was. I don't yeah. know. Maybe it just yeah. Maybe it was like unfortunate kind of scheduling. Like it yeah. just came out in the middle of a bunch of hype for something else. But yeah, I think yeah. so. So it will be really interesting to see what happens around um, Oscars time, um, and hopefully it will get some recognition because I really was just very very impressed with mm. it. Something else that we watched together as well, um, not in the cinema, but this time on uh, Now TV, um, was 120 <laughs> <Good> beats. <plug. laughs> yeah, imagine if we were actually endorsed by them. It's 120 beats per minute. Um, it's a French drama directed by Robin Campillo, which is based on his experience and involvement in the Paris chapter of ACT UP, which is the AIDS Coalition to Unleash Power, which is a direct action advocacy group which drew and still draws attention to the policies and legislation which affect the lives of those living with AIDS or those affected by the AIDS pandemic more widely. Act Up itself was established in 1987 in New York. Um, Campillo was involved in the French arm alongside the screenwriter um, Philippe Mangeau. Um, so the two of them came together to sort of write about their experiences. Um, the film is set in the early 90s and follows a group of activists involved with Paris Act Up as they struggle to effect action to fight the AIDS and, uh, epidemic, in particular the French government and pharmaceutical companies' slow uptake into providing effective support for sufferers. Um, the group is shown engaging in meetings, protests, direct action, but also we learn about their lives their struggles their relationships as they try to help others while also trying to help themselves as many of them um, battle their positive status when I was reading about the film after we'd seen it um, I saw that it had been received really positively because of how Campillo's um, personal experience and insight Mm. allow for a better degree of authenticity so while some of the people and their relationships are fictionalised i.e. the character of Sean and his relationship with Nathan um, these are really heavily inspired by real people and real events that the director and the screenwriter themselves both experience and um, one thing in particular which I thought was quite quite powerful to read which is that Campillo has said publicly that he himself had dressed um, a friend up after his death and there's quite a significant scene in the film yeah. where that happens 
What did you think of it? I really, I mean, I don't want to say enjoyed it, but enjoyed I mean, is a I was, funny way. It's a funny it? way of saying it. I was certainly really, really gripped and affected by it. Um, it's a very, just from the very opening, really, you get that, you get a very thorough introduction to the group yeah. at the beginning. So you're straight into the ACT UP community, almost in real time at a meeting, yeah. and they're going through, you know, all of these, uh, you know, going through sort of legislation and research and treatment. Um, so you're kind of thrown right into this community and you're sitting there as they go through this kind of meeting. And just from that very moment, I was gripped and you move from the from the community into this really, as you say, like a specific love story between Sean and Nathan. And it's just, it's just equal measures, very personal and very tragic, but also quite defiant mm-hmm. and quite empowering. Um, so it, yeah, I felt like a real mix of emotions watching it. It certainly doesn't shy away from the condition and it doesn't shy away from all of those kind of taboos around sex and death. I mean, it was really the, the end scenes as you were kind of alluding to are just like some of the it's one of the most harrowing things I've watched in a very long time the way it's set in the 90s but it you know so it documents like a past movement that still feels very present and it all still feels very relevant to this day it's one of the most powerful things I've watched like you say in a very very long time certainly this year I just felt that the the way that it somehow manages to balance like giving you a very full insight into the movement into the type of Mm, of and it's a movement that I don't like I don't know particularly well like it's not something that I know particularly well but what I think works really well about it is that actually you could go into this film knowing absolutely nothing mm. about ACT UP, in particular the, the French arm of yeah, it, but yeah. actually you're given such a good overview of you it. You are, yeah. And you're also presented with characters that feel believable, that feel yeah. well-rounded. You understand that their motives and their intentions, you understand mm. how they're kind of, on the one hand, really, really striving to for, for getting involved in direct action and proving mm. their point, but also at the same time battling their own kind of personal demons yeah, and coming to absolutely. terms with their own illness. And I just, I don't know, it's just, it like you say, it's a really funny film to say that you you enjoyed because enjoy is completely like not the right word but it just I don't know I was just so impressed yeah with with how when it's something could take a topic that's incredibly harrowing yeah and so ongoing and 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 still complicated as well as you say it's like a really good introduction to this huge social epidemic but on like a very personal scale that helps you to understand you're immediately like in like with the it effect and, and, of it and with them and you yeah. understand what they're going through you understand you know their feelings and motives you understand why they want to get involved with something mm. like this and I just was just really just really 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 impressed with it and I'm so glad that someone like Robin Campillo has had mm. the opportunity to, to produce this piece of cinema mm. because you know it's not necessarily something that always gets mainstream attention no and I think when we saw the because I remember we saw the trailer like yeah. in the cinema and I think the, the trailer looked brilliant and I think the film lives up to that trailer Absolutely. like it met my exp- I kind of went into this thinking that this is going to be really good and it was really really good yeah absolutely it's kind of funny I was um, I remember going home um, from work the the night that we watched it and someone asked me what I was doing with my evening and I said like oh I was going to watch a film watching about- a film about the AIDS epidemic yeah and they were just like oh okay and I was like no like I'm really looking forward to watching this yeah. film because I- I've got really good 
high expectations for it and yeah. it was absolutely met i think um something i was quite taken with is that i was reading a lot of kind of reviews after it after we watched it just because i was very intrigued to see how it was received and um jada one for the for vulture wrote of the film um because it debuted at Cannes last year mm-hmm. came out in the uk this year but it, it aired at Cannes as is last the case year. with many things right it says um in a canon of aids movies that often seem to focus on making the disease palatable for the mainstream tom hanks as the everyman wasting away in philadelphia mm-hmm. the heroics of a straight white HIV positive guy who was literally a cowboy in Dallas Buyers Club um, 120 beats per minute is a unique intimate portrait of the community from the inside thrilling for its non-American perspective and for its willingness to depict the erotic lives of a, gr- of a group of people who had been shunned by society and left to die often for little, little other than daring to have sex and I just thought like when I read that paragraph I was like that's that's the film mm. in a nutshell yeah because it's it's so it doesn't shy away from no. um, from sort of having its erotic scenes from having sex scenes but there's some of those some of the most intimate things there's the yeah. scene with Sean and Nathan where mm. they're talking about their kind of like first sexual encounters and yeah. and you know Sean's talking about how he came to have the disease mm. and Nathan's talking about how he managed to avoid catching it so and it's far. really interesting actually that one of the main characters who is part of this this group is HIV negative yeah and you sort of you learn begin to understand why he as you say why he's so involved with yeah. it as well as everyone else. so it isn't just people with HIV who are getting involved in this group yeah well, it kind of brings you in as well yeah absolutely it's sort of like he's almost posited as the outsider from mm. the group but you you learn why he's wanted mm. to become so actively involved and it just it's just such a touching film and I really do hope that that sort of people do get a chance to watch it if they're able to because I just think it's one of the most powerful pieces of cinema I've seen in a very long time and certainly yeah. this year just a very quick mention to um, a couple of other films that we've watched recently. Uh, we went to the cinema and saw Wildlife. Yes, we that did. That um, I had momentarily forgotten. Um, and we also caught up on Hot Summer Nights, uh, which is a film starring our uh, old favourite Timmy. Your boy. Uh, yeah, watched that the other week. Um, we're actually going to cover Wildlife in a bit more depth um, in a later episode. Yep. Um, so just to highlight that we um, went and saw them. On the topic of Timmy, go on. I just really wanted to bring up this beautiful feedback that we had on our London Film Festival episode, um, which mentioned Timmy, but was mostly focused on Dakota Johnson. <laughs> Thanks for posting it, person, onto our SoundCloud account four times. Four at times. Different points Not in once. the evening. Four times. Not twice. It was quite a powerful paragraph to read. Moved. Um, deeply moving. Personally, I'm struggling to take on board the accusation of my attacking a woman's appearance for no reason, but also calling us ugly ass whores in the same sentence. I just said she was boring. Literally, like I, this is the only thing I take offence from in this paragraph is that at no point did we say that the Dakota Johnson is ugly, or did we criticise her appearance because objectively she is extremely beautiful just because I said she was dead behind the eyes I did not mean she was an actual corpse no. I just mean she's a very bad actress she's just boring and I stand by that fact so you can tell us that we have got cottage cheese asses, all you like you can tell me that Timothy Chalamet is never going to look at me because I'm 50 years old. Firstly, being 50 is not a bad thing. Also, we we went to the red carpet and Timmy did look at us. So, I mean, like, what's the problem? Who's right there? Also, like, yes, thank you for telling me. Thank you for opening my eyes and telling me that fact because I was clearly living in a fancy world before that. Um, And also, ending on homely looking crack addicts. Is that an insult? Well, 
See, this is... Because <laughs> when I read it, when it was, like, homely, I was like, right? oh, so that's nice, in England, being homely is, like, being, I don't know, com- like, comfy, domestic, cozy, comfy, domestic. like, cosy. Like, if something's homely, it's cosy and nice. So I was like, so does that mean we look homely, but underneath we are When I go to your heads? house, I think, like, oh, you've got a really homely living room. Because right? I like going there. So we're, like, warm really and cosy. So we're, we're homely looking, but we're crack addicts under, underneath. I'm not Turns out, homely actually just means unattractive and ugly so um we're ugly looking crack addicts fine you know we had said that we would welcome input from dakota johnson fans on why dakota johnson why we should be giving her a chance and we did ask for that input this has not convinced me this has not been a great introduction into the dakota johnson stan community i was gonna say i'm not really convinced by your argument but that's fine no but you know, thanks. Maybe, maybe next time, if you're going to leave feedback, perhaps don't undermine yourself by you leaving it four times. Honestly. For me, four it felt excessive. times. And also by saying, like, how dare you attack a woman's appearance for no reason, you ugly ass whores. Yeah, that doesn't work for me. Unreal. But it was a really good conversation starter. We got some really nice reviews off the back of it. Thanks. Um, and I also had a lot of other people come forward and tell us that they also don't rate Dakota Johnson's acting. So all in all, I think it was really quite a positive. Okay, so on to television. Um, something that both of us have been um, planning to um, try and dip into for a very long time. Apparently the entire planet has watched this before us and it was starting to get quite annoying. Um, the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. I did like how everyone was really concerned about what you thought about it. it have you quite, watched it yet? Have it was quite flattering. Have you watched it yet? It was simultaneously like... flattering and driving me insane. Right. Do you think everyone was really smug because they watched it before us? I think it's because we're outspoken grebos and when something <laughs> like this drops, everyone They're assumes. like, oh my God, witches? Yeah. This is such like witchy shit. This is so up their street. Like Riverdale but witchy. It's is quite like, brand on brand for put us. Put that on my tombstone. So yes, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina came to Netflix um, based on the Archie Archie comic book of the same name and existing in the same universe as my favourite, Riverdale. Greendale, Um, Riverdale. Sabrina is a 10-episode Netflix show developed by, and I'm going to get his name wrong, Roberto Aguirre-Sacasa. Well done. I wouldn't have tried that. Um, Who's also um, involved with Glee, Big Love and Riverdale, unsurprisingly. Um, Stars Keenan Shipker, Ross Lynch, Miranda Otto, among others. Um, The general plot is that half-human, half-witch Sabrina is forced to navigate between two worlds, her mortal teen life and her family's legacy in the Church of Night. So, yes, as I said, this dropped um, all together with 10 episodes. I have watched half of it. You have dipped into the first two episodes now, haven't you? Yes, I did my homework and I watched two episodes Thank last night. Thank you very night. much for doing that. Absolutely fine. Really, just dedication yeah. to the cause. So good. Well done. This has had loads of, like, had loads of hype. It's had loads of conversation around it. It's, you know, it's attracted a lot of people who aren't who that i know who that aren't riverdale watchers because yeah, i guess I it's got that. like a it's i feel like it's it's still kind of ya and sort of like a teen adult audience but maybe slightly older i couldn't generation. tell if actually a lot of it was people who'd grown up watching the nickelodeon sabrina it's just series. people wanting to tune into sabrina and they were like, again, yeah. oh, i really liked that i wonder what this will be like i think um, it taps into that whole like yeah you've got sabrina you've like got nostalgic. charmed you've got buffy yeah. like all of those 
like um, the craft, the faculty, all of those kind of shows and films um, really does tap into that. So I think a lot of people were really inquisitive and they just wanted to see what it was about. The TV show kind of has removed a lot of the wholesomeness that's found in the original material and in the older TV show. Funnily enough, they've started re-showing Sabrina on, I can't remember what channel it is now, the 90s Sabrina. Oh, really? And Wes and I have been watching a few episodes um, and it is very, very different. It's, yeah, it's definitely got a darker, darker tone, but it's still pretty campy and fun. Um, and I think it's mostly a departure from what people remember from the original, with the exception of Hilda and Zelda, mm-hmm. the fact that the fact that Sabrina goes to, a, or a, at the beginning goes to kind of a normal school, a mortal school, um, and that there's a cat called Salem, really. Yeah. I think that's probably the only real similarities between it um what did you think of your first two episodes so i went into this unfortunately with the feeling that just the pressure of like everyone wanting to watch it did you anticipate that you wouldn't like it though? i did yeah just because everyone kept asking it's like god i'm not gonna like this i really I? hate when people tell me to watch something because it immediately gets my back up and i think i'm not gonna like I'm it i'm not gonna like it yeah but i'm always actually pleasantly surprised by how much i did enjoy the episodes I have seen so far. Um, my one, so one of the big things I was quite concerned about is that mm-hmm. I spent seven years watching Mad Men. <coughs> yeah. And um, Keenan of Shipka, course, yes. in my head, will always be little Sally Draper who mm-hmm. grew up through the series. So it was a little bit surreal for me to watch her mm. like swanning around with Harvey right. and like snogging him. That was like, oh, Sally, what are you doing? Right. Um, but I did really like it. I, I really like the weird animated intros. Oh um, my God, the intro actually really cool. is really good. Um, I like the use really of good. music. It was definitely much creepier and, and significantly gorier than oh I my, expected. In the first episode, isn't there like a pair of scissors into yeah, someone's there's, neck? There's, like... there's that. There's um, the stuff with the spiders and the principal yeah. and then in the second episode there's it's when it's her actual birthday and there's yes. all the stuff in the forest and then baphomet mm, turns up and it's it is all, very dark i don't know i think i definitely i think because i knew that it exists within the same um universe as riverdale mm-hmm. i i knew it was going to be kind of like campy and a, yes but i didn't expect it to be as weirdly dark and full-on as it is i feel like it's the, the darker alternative to yeah. uh, riverdale which is i'm so but i do feel like they are very similar in their kind of aesthetic and that idea of i'm sure you picked up on like the the fact that sabrina like exists in this weird time plane that's like very very retro but also current day i think when i I think when i was texting you last (coughs) night as i was watching the first episode i was like i really like how weirdly timeless it is in that it's like it is modern day because they've got like computers and phones and stuff but then it's also like they're going to an old movie theater to watch old movies and then they're at a diner that looks really old-fashioned and all of the styling is quite old old-fashioned it really is well kind some of, like of the soundtrack is like they're dancing yeah. to like the monster mash um, and stuff i did i kind of liked that um i've just got two gropes go on why can't harvey kinkle call his girlfriend sabrina brina why must he call her brina 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 it's sabrina do you know what if i had a boyfriend that kept calling me that no. Although I have just this moment realised that the only, like my version of that would be someone calling me Fanny. <laughs> so, <laughs> Fef. Weird, isn't it? Um, um, also, I. It's a bit rude, I think. It's a bit lazy. Just call her Sabrina. Do you, you fancy Rosalind? I do, this? yeah, I'm really sorry. <sighs> I don't. I don't get it. Do you not? Do you not just see um, Jeffrey Dahmer? <laughs> well, I was um, talking to someone at work today um, because they'd said they'd watched it before and I was saying, oh, I finally watched Sabrina. And we were talking about the fact that we can only see Sally Draper. Yeah. And then she was like, it's weird because I, I only, can only see, see Jeffrey, Jeffrey Dahmer. Dahmer. Yeah, And I was so like, much. 
yes, I see that, but he, to me, in my head, looks so much like Evan Peters. Yeah. Oh, see, no, I would go Evan Peters But more. it's Evan Peters crossed with, wait for it, Louis Tomlinson. What? Yeah. No. Am I going to have to go back and, like, I reassess this? Like, I think, do a study? I think it's because I've only watched two episodes and I haven't yet found anyone else I fancy. That's really interesting. Yeah, I don't know who I fancy in this. It's, I don't think it is He's Harvey. quite... He's quite cute. I think yeah, that's what it he's is. Quite, I think he's the only character that's very, like, one-dimensional. Yeah. Like, he's a bit of a sap. It's fine, but, he's, like... He's he's exceptionally whatever. Yeah, he doesn't bring much. Like, no. I really like Sabrina's two friends. Oh, I love um, them. I think they're really, really... Yeah, they're really cool. Um, and one of Sabrina's friends is... Uh, her friend Susie, I think, is non-binary, which yeah. is very, very cool. There is a lot of kind of... As we were kind of saying that, I guess... Um, like the first episode I watched, I was a little bit, I felt like it was a bit on the nose and a bit too like woke for its own good. I was literally about to say that it felt very much like timeless, but also like trying to direct. But it's definitely set in the 21st century, Trying to directly respond to like very current affairs. And I felt like... Overtly feminist, like it's pretty kind of, yeah. That that is completely fine. And I'd rather it was like that than being incredibly dated or antiquated with its viewpoints. But like you say, it felt very pointed and like, we are socially aware right. which I thought was a bit like I don't know <laughs> I, must, much. I must say like going on a few episodes in like ahead of you I feel like it kind of settles into that a bit more yeah. I felt like the earlier episodes I was really aware of that and I was like yeah I get it we're all like mm. super savvy and yeah. you know but actually as it, it kind of settles into that a bit more and I think Sabrina's friend Susie um, like her cousin Ambrose who I think is kind of pansexual yeah. that the use of like is, is a very um is a very diverse kind of cast so yeah. i think it settles into it a bit like as we were saying kind of widows is sort of just is yeah it settles into that a bit more and it oh, does okay. feel a bit more like it just is because mm-hmm. it is a diverse you know the world is diverse so it does get a bit better because i think initially it's a bit bumpy in terms of it's like Oh, it's a bit wacky, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, do you feel compelled to finish it in the same way that you would anything else? Because this is my current issue, is that, like, I watched the episodes because I knew that we were conscious, mm-hmm. like, we were going to be talking about it. Mm-hmm. But then I also feel like, I don't know if, like, I'm in any rush to finish it. I think I, I definitely like... don't think you'll finish it. I no. think kind of in the Riverdale vein. Yeah. Like, I get very, I get a bit, like... They're my my things, yeah, so I will fine. I I will end up finishing Sabrina, and I think I'll finish it over Christmas because it's my it's kind of my like my comfort go to yeah. watch. So I will watch that like on on the sofa under a blanket and really enjoy it. I do think it's very similar for me with regards to Riverdale in that like I could totally just put it on and have it on in the background while I was doing stuff and not necessarily be yes. like hundred. And I have done that with Sabrina. Well, this is what I was doing last night as I was actually prepping to record this podcast whilst I was watching it. You know, so I was like mm. watching in front of the TV, like doing some notes. It was on, yeah. kind of going like, okay, cool, this is happening. This is yeah, kind of fun. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. think, I think it, for me, it felt particularly pointed that I got to a point in the second episode where I texted you and I was like, I've just realised it's a funeral home. Yes, yeah, they, out. yeah. So Hilda and Zelda kind of operate like in within the uh, the human world within a hu- uh, funeral home. So it's a bit like Six Feet Under in that regard, which is funny. Yeah, but I did like that when yeah, I actually th- worked it out. Yeah, I said <laughs> that's when I texted you back and just said, "Did you work out that Brina is a witch?" <laughs> Wait, what? What? Um, yeah, I think it's one of those things where I kind of can't explain the plot, really, or what really happens, because about 50 things happen at once. It feels very, like, if I actually try and think about what happened in the two episodes I 
watched it feels like there were 50,000 things going yeah, on that I was you, trying to grapple yeah you with. get like this monster of the week almost format like yes. there's a main sort of arc adventure happening just in that episode then you also get like the witch world storyline like whatever's going on with the church of night but also you get some human world storylines so it's kind of really confusing however it's also not confusing and you can actually just watch it whilst doing other things and it doesn't really matter yeah so I, I that's did, good fun i did like how like the the occult stuff how overt that was like oh my full god on with it, it's like satanic like it really that was is kind of cool. well there's been a lot of stuff around the the use of the baphomet yeah um because the temple of satan not the church of satan i thought it was the church of satan it's not the church of satan the temple of satan are trying to sue netflix for ripping off the baphomet but the church so whether that works or not and i mean to be fair like when you when you hear them talk like the the church of night talking about their kind of their religious beliefs or whatever and it's all very do what thou wilt and i was like okay this is actually the church of satan like this it does borrow very heavily Mm, from that mind point but the the satanic temple are the ones that are trying to sue sabrina for ripping off the baphomet the church of satan have come forward and just said they don't give a shit but it is it is funny that it is very like it's very on the nose. It's very it? like there's no such thing as good and evil. Yeah. Like it's very um it borrows very, very heavily from that. Um and I can kind of see where all especially like the the feminist kind of storylines going on, the feminist themes kind of tie into that kind of discussion because there's all those kind of complicated things happening in the church of satan as well but um i think generally it's kind of it's fun it was fun i definitely had a fun time watching it and i think that like if i think it maybe if i run out of things to watch i will probably just like stick on an episode and and try and finish it i think the reason i'm so annoyed at myself with regards to riverdale is i didn't start it when i had the chance i know i think you'd be fully on board like if you'd if you'd start because for me because it comes out like Every week. Yeah. It's so easy to stay up to date. But if you're trying to catch up on three seasons of like... I think with Riverdale, I'm staring down the barrel of about 30 episodes and yeah. it's just like I'm never going to have that many hours it's in the day lot. and I, also the episodes are quite long as well they are yeah yeah it's like a full hour yeah. isn't it um, I find it interesting that some people who didn't watch Riverdale are really into Sabrina or some people that like don't re- rate Riverdale at all and say like it's shit but really like Sabrina because I think they're really similar like I, I just think, find that really funny yeah. I, I, I feel a bit like I was just like a bit edgier like, I, a bit found like that, craft, I found that quite you. funny because I you know I'm, as soon as I watched that first episode, I was like, well, this is 100% in the same wheelhouse They're so in the same universe. It's Riverdale, like, Greendale. Yeah, but it's not even that. It's just like in the tone and the yeah. script and the way that the kids are and, and the aesthetic and all of that. For me, it's just like, this is basically it's exactly Riverdale. It is. It's exactly the same. Like, I find that kind of weird, apart from maybe people just out to get Riverdale, don't do it. Also, like, men that just generally tell me that, like, Riverdale and or Sabrina are not very good. Like, it's definitely not for your demographic, so. Yeah, I don't really care what what someone a man in their 30s thinks about it but that's no. fine um we'll be so maybe we'll report back if and when you finish it yeah i might um, give my overall impression yeah absolutely. but i mean every, everyone else has already seen it before us april so they don't need us to tell them i'm just it. glad we both finally got around to watching it finally um, just quickly on the music front, as the um, end of the year is looming, um, we will be putting together our kind of end of year playlist, like we did last year, um, featuring some of our favourite songs. At uh, this time of year is my favourite thing ever because I get to make lists. And You're such a nerd. I'm really sorry. List nerd. Love making... Have you got one of those list apps? 
Uh, I do, yeah. Um, I have already made my personal list of 101 songs from this year, which I absolutely liked. It will differ, it will differ from the first one because there's loads of boring sad girl. Oh, is there sad, sad girl music. music on there? So am I going to be into that? Probably not. Probably not. No, but we will be putting that together, and when it's up and running, um, we will absolutely share it. Do you have any other additional shout outs? Um, I was just going to shout out the fact that um, I've been watching season one and season two of The Nick. Um, I heart Clive Owen. Um, so that's rather lovely. Um, I've also, I read Sally Rooney's Normal People, which was rather excellent. We will talk about it in great length soon. Yes. And I also just wanted to shout out, because you know I love my true crime, uh, the Bearbrook podcast, which came out through New Hampshire Public Radio, which was about the bodies in the barrels. Do you, oh, do yes. you remember that? Yeah. Yes. That's really, really good as well. And it's only like six episodes, so it's great to just blast through. So anything else you want to shout out? Um, just something I did actually watch at the weekend, um, which I didn't mention when we were talking about movies. Um, I watched Dumpling oh, yes. on, on Netflix, which is uh, an adaptation of a YA novel um, with Jennifer Aniston and Danielle MacDonald in it. It's lots of mu- use of music of Dolly Parton. It's such a good is film. Good? I feel like Netflix has really come through this year with like teen rom-com mm, type movies. So I, I just really liked it i watched it on sunday afternoon cried my face off um you said you'd cried like twice in the first oh like 20 God. minutes i just something. feel like if there'd been a film like that when i was a teenager i probably would have been a much better adjusted person oh. um so if you do get the chance to watch that on netflix um i would absolutely suggest you do so because i feel like it's just going to get buried with the onslaught of stuff that's currently on there so on to the main event of this episode um i've titled this the rise and fall brackets and rise of the music video i like that title yes and the the and rise in brackets has got uh, a question mark and rise so yeah and rise this uh this discussion has kind of come off the back of one of uh i guess the most exciting things to happen in uh pop culture in the last couple of weeks ariana grande dropped the much anticipated video to thank you comma next uh, I like the comma. Yeah, me too. And the lowercase. It's extra sass, I think. Yeah. Ooh, and the U. The text well, U, isn't it? Yeah. Ooh, the yeah, yeah, it's great. It's good. Yeah, this dropped after what felt like quite a, a long run-up. Uh, felt like we were waiting for it for ages. So, yeah, a lot of building of t- tension there. Ariana first tweeted lyrics to a mysterious song on the 2nd of November, um, and the song itself dropped on the 3rd of November. Um, we then got some uh, Legally Blonde-style pictures on the 20th, followed by Bring It On photos on the 22nd, so we could kind of see where this was going. Uh, on the 27th of November, we got the teaser video, which got everyone extremely excited, and we could tell that there were some really good cameos on the way, and then the video itself dropped on the 30th of November. It really has been a, a November of it of has. Ariana. It has. It is Ari's November. I'm just calling it Ari now, like she's my friend. We are close that? Friends. Yeah, our bestie Ari. Um, the video is directed by Hannah Lux Davis, and it's set quite an impressive streaming record um, on YouTube. So the first 24 hours, the video had uh, 55.4 million views. Isn't that insane? Crazy, which makes it the most watched video in. 24 hours in YouTube's Ever. history, I think. Um, the live premiere actually attracted 829,000 viewers. So it also made it the most watched premiere, live premiere on YouTube as well. Insane. Insane. Uh, we just checked and it's on 166 million to date. 
So it's been like, what, like not even two weeks yet? Just under two weeks, yeah. And 166 million. Crazy. wild. Um, The video itself features lots of references to all of our favourite teen films. uh, Mean Girls, Bring It On, Legally Blonde and 13 Going On 30. And it features cameos from Chris Jenner, Jonathan Bennett, Troy Sivan, Colleen Ballinger and many more. Uh, What did you think? Full disclosure, she couldn't have picked four films that I love more, really. It's like such nostalgia catnip. I mean, the only thing that probably would have pushed me over the edge is if she'd included 10 Things I Hate About You. Do you know what I was about to say? Like, 10 Things I Hate About You would have been, like, icing on the cake. That would have put me in an early grave, I think. But, I don't know, it's just really, really fun. It was just, like, because she... It is pure fun, isn't it? Because she'd been teasing it for, like, essentially a whole month, really. Like, and it was such a surprise song anyway, bearing in mind that she's only just released Sweetener, like, a yeah. few months and ago. And such a strong song. Like, yeah. this must have... She must have worked on this really, really quickly. It's, and when it came out, it was just a total banger, and you could tell it was one of her strongest songs it's ever. It's really, really, She really says, catchy. as a complete Ariana Grande expert, not. I'm enjoying the uh, Complete 180 we've done Complete recently. 180, even on this podcast. Right. Um, I just think she's very good at creating viral content. Like, mm. we think about all the videos for the songs on Sweetener. Like, each of them has had kind of something that's kind of gone yeah. like relatively viral and she's also very good at like teasing stuff yeah. as well like her Instagram in the build up to Sweetener's release was just like every day there was like something new like little snippet mm. of something so she's really like, great at building that community and that hype isn't she absolutely especially, like, especially around videos whereas I don't think we and we'll go on to discuss this like I don't think generally especially with our generation we don't feel hyped over videos in the same way before they're not such an event no I think she knows her audience a lot and she yeah. knows where they're going to be viewing things and where their kind of community is based really yeah. so it's kind of there's people um, at work who like people I work with who told me that they watched that video and they were like I literally never listened to Ariana Grande in my life but I had to watch it yeah. because everyone else was watching it just became it. like a big thing didn't it like I, I think I was out when it dropped mm. and I was like oh shit like, I'm not gonna oh, be yeah, home you were losing your mind like, I can't see it I know yet. because we'd just spent so long seeing all the teaser pictures and the teaser trailer and just like being desperate to watch it because we knew it was going to be amazing I sat like, and watched it on the loo full disclaimer it was it was it was a precious moment yeah just you know when you've got five minutes to yourself just some thinking time um what are some of your favorite moments of it do you have any standout moments um i do like some of the guest appearances i like how self-referential it is i like how it's it's very meticulous with its details like the fact that there are quite a few articles as well there's um three things on on Bustle that I read and one on Vulture that I'll definitely link to in the mm. show notes but they were basically like I I read that picking Vulture out one, all of yeah. the easter eggs and all yes. the references there's one in particular that I really like and it's so subtle but there's the scene where she's it's like an homage to the scene in Bring It On where mm-hmm. Torrance and Cliff are brushing their teeth together yes. in the in the bathroom in the original film there's a particular type of wallpaper that's mm. behind them in the bathroom and in the thank you next video there's like a, a photo frame on the wall behind them and it's a square of the oh that's the amazing paper. i didn't know in the, that. the wallpaper sorry yeah. and i just thought like it's that like meticulous attention to detail it's really good which that? i think is just very very clever and i yeah. just like i don't know it just feels like it is definitely like purposefully referencing like all of those like nostalgic teen films which are kind of the have sort of spanned generation oh, yeah. now it's like the modern and there's like recognizable moments yeah. in those films that everyone just goes oh yeah of course of course because yeah, you've like, got like the you've got the actual like cheer off in bring it on you've yes. got the the da- torrents dancing in her room to the mixtape that yeah. cliff makes her you've got like all of the mean girls aspect with the burn but you've got the 13 going on 30 where she's 
carrying the doll's mm-hmm. house. You've got the legally blonde, you know, like sitting outside reading like yes. law documents. You've got the on the cross trainers. Oh stuff. my god, and the immigration just... and refugee policy right? law book. It's, is it's very, stuff like that. Yeah. I think is very very clever. So yeah, my favourite bits were the burn book. Definitely apologising to Pete, saying sorry I dipped, and also who is Hugh. <laughs> Dead. That just made Huge. me die. So funny. Um, and also the bit later on when she says like he was really cute and you know it was really big. Just so, so funny. funny. And also I really like the fact that she had all of her close friends in the Jingle Bell Rock scene. Yeah, it's clever, um, isn't it? Which is really nice and just yeah, really cute. But all in all, like a fun film. It was you know, really a fun, fun video. I kind of can't. The people from work who watched it and because they felt you know like they had to and it was there. I I think they didn't really. They were like, I mean, it was fine. Yeah. And I also don't blame them for that like it's not rewriting any kind of big I think, I, I think we're both massive suckers for things that are very referential yeah and I think so that's the we thing. would enjoy that but. I think unless you if you if you don't like or enjoy the films that it's referencing in the first place you're probably not going to enjoy no. it I also think it's really easy to try and read too much into it and I think yeah. basically what she's done is she's gone like these are some of my favourite films mm-hmm. I want to make a music video mm. that is just kind of you know scene for scene because I, I watched a video on YouTube that was like scene by scene yes. like you know yes. um, um, comparisons and I think basically she's just decided like I want to make a music video with a bunch of my friends I want yeah. to reference these films let's go and I yeah. think it's really easy sometimes to read too much into oh, the yeah. message of and the to be videos. too serious yeah. about it like yes it is like an art to an extent but also like things can just be fun yeah and it's you know it's breaking a lot of records for views but you know might not win any awards for its you know, craft, even though it is, you know, very clever Definitely. and a lot of fun. But it is just a bit of a bit of joy. I just it? see it as a bit of fun. It, it, like, made my evening. I think it's really easily to... I mean, I've seen a lot of cultural critics have tried to read too much into it and been quite critical about it. In and a I feel people way. always want to come for that. Like, I think critics in particular just really enjoy coming for stuff like that anyway, don't they? Like, they make an actual point of cutting down that stuff. You're not the demographic and you're not the audience it's targeting. So I feel no. a bit like sometimes it's like, well, that's your opinion, but you're not the people this video is specifically aimed at so no. your opinion kind of isn't warranted no so. it's just no one really cares so right. just shut up so in the aftermath of the thank you next video dropping we had some kind of loose discussions about actually whether music videos are still relevant or whether they're viewed as highly these days mm. and i think this came out of thinking about the fact that like we don't really watch music videos in the same way anymore and i think that mm. you and i are definitely of a generation that grew up watching music videos in a completely different way yeah. to what um younger people do now so if we think about music videos in the past and our kind of like histories with them mm. um, I do genuinely think there was a period of time when music videos were like a way for artists to make quite a dramatic impact and I do wonder whether yeah. this has changed or not or whether that just comes from not really necessarily engaging with the medium as yeah, much Yeah, I think so like when you I mean my understanding of music videos is like the videos that like I know of that are you know the classics and um, timeless and have stuck with everyone emerged in like the 60s and 70s when the music video kind of emerged for the first time so like with the Beatles and like David Bowie yeah. Kate Bush Wuthering Heights like that yeah. Queen Bohemian Rhapsody like the really obvious kind yeah. of ones and they're big statement pieces Absolutely. and then you get into like MTV launching yeah. and you've got all those really talked about videos with Madonna and Michael Jackson in the 80s with Thriller and all of that sort of thing and they'd started becoming like Thriller in particular always tops the list for like the yeah, best music video ever and it was like 13 minutes long cost like half a million dollars to make was like huge budget which yeah. is completely unheard of so it was a way of making like a hugely dramatic impact and I guess you know people were just 
being able to access those on television. Yeah. So it became much more of a... I guess in the way that when TV first came around, it was, like, such a big event that people would sit in front of the TV and watch it. And I guess, like, music videos were the same, really, weren't they? It is funny if you think about the fact that, kind of, like, the launch of MTV and the fact that I do think that music videos were more still more of an event. Yeah, And it's funny, actually, because with the Thank You Next video, this felt like the first time in ages where it was, like, an event. It was like, oh, my God. Well, as they say, like, people congregated to watch the live premiere of that video. The last time I can think of this happening, and we'll come on to this, I think, because I'm referencing it as being one of my favourites, was when um, the Lady Gaga and Beyonce video for telephone telephone dropped. And I remember, like, being like, shit, I need to get to a computer, I need to Mm. immediately watch this, this is a big thing that's happening. Mm. But I think that was around 2010. So for me, personally, that's, like, quite a big gap. And I'm sure there are lots of music videos that have happened in that time that have been just as much of an event but I do think it's interesting to think about the fact that like I wonder whether things like YouTube have have made things better in the sense that you've got broader access to videos I when I was doing research for this I could just put in any music video that I was Mm -hmm. thinking about and I'd be able to find it but then I also do think perhaps it's made things worse so things are more accessible but there's an oversaturation yeah so things are available at all times which I think is probably true of anything on the internet at the moment yeah yeah it is it's it's all to do with accessibility isn't it and I, you know, even I remember like watching music television and like waiting for a specific video to come around. Right. So you'd actually have to give time sitting through other videos to reach that one because you weren't going to get it any other way. No, you couldn't I, just go and watch it whenever you wanted. Isn't that funny so as well? Definitely changed the way that things, yeah, the way that things are accessed. And I guess there's. There's been, I don't know, I guess they had that, the decline of the music video with MTV when it kind of went into a lot more like reality TV and stuff. And then, funny actually, I was thinking, I read that like the decline of MTV and music videos happened in the 90s, which happens to be the time when I remember most music videos, which is very, very strange. But now it's come back and we've kind of got this oversaturation. I think some people were trying to do music videos in different ways, aren't they? To make it more of an event again by doing something very strikingly different. It's funny, actually, that you called this, said we're talking about the rise and the fall and the rise again. Mm. So I do think there's probably more of an up now where it's yeah. actually kind of like making this more more impactful statement, like visual statement. Yeah. Um, so I think maybe it might be useful just to sort of briefly touch <laughs> about like how we used to watch videos and like do we bother to watch Being videos now? Being old people. Being yes. old people. So what are some of you your kind of first experiences with music videos or watching music videos? I remember being younger and being of the age where I didn't own Sky or any of the video channels yet. So I would have to go to my aunt's house in Norwich and hoped that I would have some time in which I was allowed to watch music TV so I could capture a glimpse of like the early pop videos that I was obsessed with. Did you have the same thing in terms of like... really funny. Did you have cable straight away or... It was all to do with whether you had Sky or whether you didn't. So I remember probably like 97, 98. I vividly remember 99-ish time. I remember vividly like I would have to go to my aunt's house and I would only ever see MTV at my aunt's house because my... Oh my God, the aunts in this world just really helped us. Because we didn't have... We didn't have Sky at home, and around the, I feel like this is like peak era of MTV. And I've written a list of some of the videos I oh, remember yes. really. You tell intensely. me yours, I'll tell you mine. Because it's funny, I, I was I doing that kind of like really similar. Yeah, as well. so it, we're thinking about 97, 98, 99. So that that particular those era, are the peak years, which is why it is so funny that right? they said like there was a decline in music videos then because they're the ones. Because to that, me, that's like prime. that is peak. Yeah, everything I kept remembering was mm-hmm. from this time. So I've got Praise You by Fatboy Slim, which yes. is directed by Spike Jones. I took that. As um, well. I've got. 
Body Moving and Intergalactic by the Beastie Boys. Yes, absolutely. Um, Let Forever Be by Chemical Brothers, which is directed by Michelle Gondry. Um, you just know as soon as you mention those, you can, can you picture the videos See, straight this away. This is the thing, isn't it? Is they have obviously these were the ones that had quite a lot of early impact on me because I can immediately remember the visuals. Yeah. Um, My Name Is by Eminem, uh, yeah. Buddy Holly by Weezer, Defunct by Daft Punk, Frozen by Madonna, um, All I Need by uh, um, Natural Blues by Moby, <laughs> My Favorite Game by the Cardigans, Don't Speak yes. by No Doubt, The Kids Aren't Alright and P- Pretty Fly oh my for God, a White the kids Guy aren't, yeah. by The Offspring, Canned Heat by Jamiroquai and mm-hmm. Virtual Insanity as well, yeah. Get Your Freak On by Missy Elliott and yeah. Give Me Some Mob by Buster Rhymes. I could have spent hours doing oh my God, this, so much. but I was just thinking of like visuals that I could yeah. immediately spring to mind mm-hmm. and most of this was done just like by memory of like being able to think right yeah. going to my cousin's house hanging out having some squash like putting yeah. on MTV having like what was squash. what was on MTV chilling out time. with some squash or like squash. a Bacardi but yeah I remember so I tried again I also tried to think of videos that might not might not necessarily not be like the best crafted ever but the ones that I really strongly remember yeah. Yeah. and I had a lot of the ones that you said the first ever video I remember and I obviously watched it after it came out like yeah. a few years later is I do anything for love but I won't do that by meatloaf because <laughs> it was the one where it's directed by Michael Bay yeah and it's when meatloaf is like the beast and beauty and the beast yeah. and I just really remember that, that video funny? really strongly um Spice Girls wannabe obviously oh, of course yeah a classic um, was a real oh my God, uh, I read something about how do you remember the box the TV channel yeah of course love box oh we could text in yes yeah yeah so um apparently uh, when the music video first appeared on the box it was selected so frequently it reached the top of the viewers charts within 2 hours of going in there and stayed number 1 for 13 weeks uh, until it was replaced by the Spice Girls and uh, at its peak, up to 15% of the 25,000 weekly telephone requests were for that video. Isn't it funny? Because I, I was thinking about the fact that, yeah, MTV, MCV2, The Box. P-Rock. P-Rock. VH1. VH1. Kerrang. Yeah. Scuzz. The other ones I remember are Hanson and Bob, but that was because I was yep, obsessed classic. with Hanson. Fine. Britney Spears, Baby One More Time. Yep. Obviously, yeah, I'd mentioned Fatboy Slim. Um, of Jamiroquai, I remember Virtual Insanity, but I also remember... Not the most popular one, Deeper Underground, which is the one I... he did for the Godzilla soundtrack. Was in cinema. Yes, Loki loved with that the, song. With the oh when my he's like god, walking... it's so good. Every time I on go... the seats. Yep. When I was a kid, I remember I was obsessed with Godzilla. Anyway, that particular film. Yes. It's awful. It's not a good film. But um, I remember when I saw it at the cinema, and then I saw the music video, and I was like, oh, I just want to like walk over the chairs. Yes. In the it's cinema. really and it's like flooding, yeah. and all the cars are dropping yeah. down. Watch it now. It's really dated. And looks terrible <laughs> in my head. It's way cooler. Isn't such a good song Ricky Martin Living La Vida Loca yes great great but I remember it being on TV so much that sometimes it would finish and just start, start again, again because people had requested it so yep. much Robbie Williams rock DJ rock, so, with the skin so I, I will mention in a bit videos that you had to stay up late to watch yes. because they were never on and I remember I remember like staying up specifically to watch like the uncut version because it was banned in loads banned. Of, on loads of channels I can't even I need he to rewatch off. it actually he's stripping but, and then he starts he's surrounded by models who are roller discoing oh my god it's like such a, a good fact, like, video pull this from I remember he's me too and I haven't stripping. watched it since and then he takes off all his clothes and then he starts to peel off his skin, skin. Then and then he pulls his muscles, off the muscles off and he's just dancing, dancing as, a as a skeleton. skeleton. Um, I also remember TLC No Scrubs, yep. which was Hype Williams. 
The other one I mentioned, which I didn't see until later, but I really vividly remember, and it came out in 1997, which is why I'm putting it here, is Aphex Twins Come to Daddy, which is the really fucking creepy video. So um, I went through this really big period later on in life, probably around my mid to late teens, where I just got very, very obsessed with like music video directors. Did you? And there were some in particular. And it's funny, actually, when I think about the fact that a lot of um, my favourite music videos are then made are made by people who then went on to make some mm-hmm. of my favourite films and it's interesting to see this transition so you mentioned Michael Bay who mm-hmm. made that Meatloaf video and it's yeah. obviously a lot probably of probably the best thing he ever did let's right? be honest a lot of directors get their start making music videos like shorts yeah. and then go on to make films so I got super super obsessed with like Michelle Gondry Spike Jones, yeah. Jonathan Glazer yeah. um, Mike Mills who um, did 20th Century Women one of my favourite films um, there's Chris Cunningham who made the um, Aphex Twin videos, yeah. videos who have come to Daddy and Window so Liquor. creepy. I can now that song, those two songs in themselves are quite unsettling songs. So creepy. But um, I went through a really big period of time when I used to go to the gym and I'd be running on the treadmill mm. and I would always Were be listening, listening to, to Aphex Twin. That was really and part intense, of what so would cool. get me going is I would just remembering the video and it made me so unsettled that I just have like to keep running them. away, like yeah, you're running yeah. away from the estate. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just on the topic of film directors who got their start mm. making music videos, I have just listed a few here because it was quite interesting interesting because yeah, a lot def- of them I, I didn't even realise I hadn't realised at all no so obviously I've mentioned um, Michelle Gondry who directed so many amazing music videos but he obviously directed Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind Spike Jones, um, who's directed a whole bunch of dif- um, different music videos as well um, mm. has obviously directed some films Jonathan Dayton and Valerie Farris who directed Tonight Tonight um, lots of Red Hot Chili Peppers videos um, they directed Little Miss Sunshine oh yeah yeah amazing film um, Anton Kjorbin as well who um, directed Control which is the film about Joy Division. Oh, yeah, yeah. He um, directed Heart Shaped Box. isn't it? Lots so of Echo and the Bunny Men and Depeche Mode videos. Oh. Um, this was hilarious because I thought, like, this is a film that I have a very problematic relationship with. Mm-hmm. Um, 500 Days of Summer. Yes. Was directed by Mark Webb, mm-hmm. who also directed a lot of my chemical romance videos, including Helena. Oh, Helena, that's a classic, a classic. for a later, yeah, right. later time. Um, David Fincher, of course, needs no of introduction, course. but he directed um, Madonna's Vogue and Freedom 90 as well, yeah. the George Michael song. Jonathan Glazer, who did lots and lots of Radiohead videos, directed Under the Skin, the Scarlett Johansson yeah. film that we saw. Um, Mike Mills, who I've referenced, directed some music videos for Air, Blonde, Redhead, Pulp, Moby, John Spencer, Blues Explosion. He directed 20th Century Women. And this one I included mostly because I think I texted you about this last night. So Floria Sigismondi, um, she directed The Runaways and but has also oh, yeah. worked on TV. So she's done Handmaid's Tale and American Gods. She directed a whole bunch of videos from people including Marilyn Manson, <laughs> Nine Inch Nails, The Cure, David this, Bowie and Interpol. Oh, what a lovely selection, right? right? That's great. I mean, yeah, that's very good. So um, we referenced some sort of the channels that we'd um, watched music videos on. Yeah. I've titled this section the MTV2 P-Rock Kerrang years. Yes, so that is for me right at the end of the 90s like 99 and early 2000s and then going so yeah. it's the so you know you mentioned the fact that videos were accessible but they were mm-hmm. also sort of on rotation. So there was that period of time Heavily. where you're like dying to try and see your favorite video but you always seem to get the same ones. I vividly remember it was always like Tenacious D. Oh my God, or, so many times. Uh, all times. And I really just well, like to watch. I did like very much did enjoy Limp Biscuits rolling when it first came out constant, and was on top of the though. pops. But then it was fucking constant for years. Just, you had to sort of basically sit there and be like, oh God, I really hope the next Text in, hope like. that your text counts. Yeah, right. And you, yeah. And so this idea of like staying up late to watch uncensored video, videos or things that couldn't be shown be- before the water shed. So yes, I've got like, do, do you remember the video 
video for Smack My Bitch Up. Yes, the obviously. Directed by Jonas Ackland, yep. the Prodigy video with a twist at the end yep. where it's actually a girl. It was a girl, yep. The, and I remember it, right. What yep. year was that? I don't know what year that was, actually. Oh. I haven't written it I bet down it's, here, I but... bet it's like, yeah, it'll be early 2000s. And again, those Aphex Twin videos, I remember mm-hmm. very, like, they were always on late. So if I had, like, decided they're so to stay freaky. late. Yeah. But this is also around the time that my parents got Sky as well. Same. So I think we like, all came into, like... Sky at the same time and suddenly had access to MTV, VH1, Scuzz, and it's suddenly like rang. suddenly catching up on like loads of iconic Q. Kind of, oh my god, Q! Um, lots of iconic sort of videos from the past. So obviously yeah. I remember Nirvana's "Smells Up like Team mm-hmm. Spirit" being on. That all would time. always be on repeat. Um, lots of Green Day videos, Basket Case. I Basket feel like I've seen that a thousand times a, in my life. Yeah. But then also it's like the pinnacle of time where it's like iconic new metal videos. Oh yeah, Linkin Park's "Crawling." Linkin Park's "Crawling." Yep. Yeah. Corn, Freak on a Leash. I've written... So there was a period where there were, like, so many good corn videos. I watched so many of them recently. So, Got the Life, Somebody, Someone, oh my God. Adidas. Adidas, Make yeah. Me Bad. Freak on a Leash is obviously Freak the Freak on a Leash. That won a Grammy. Isn't it mad? Insane. That was directed by Jonathan Dayton and Valerie Farris with Todd McFarlane. That's crazy. Isn't that mad? That's so funny. What else have I got here? Last Resort by Papa Roach. Last Resort. And yep. also Between Angels and Insects was a big one for me. Great one. When uh, it goes through his head. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Chop Suey by System of a Down. Yeah. Back to School Deftones. Mm-hmm. Lots of Slipknot ones. Always. Uh, duality. Duality. Um, Left Behind. Drive Incubus. Yes. All of the early, but, but like the Enema of the State Blink-192 videos. Mm-hmm. Oh so my God. What's yeah. Major again? All the small things. All the small but things. And also the rock show as well. I remember being a great yes. Um I remember Eminem Real Slim Shady coming out around yes. like two thousand with all of the the um cameos the in that cameos as well. I can't remember what year the Bad Touch by Bloodhound Gang came out, but that I would have been what... like ninety eight, ninety nine, I think. Yeah. That was always on repeat though as well. Isn't it funny? Um also Eminem Stan came out the same year as Real Slim Shady. That is a crazy memorable Again, Watershed, and yeah. just such a memorable video. Isn't it funny? And song. I also remember seeing Marilyn Manson, so the Hollywood videos were on very much on rotation yes. around that time. So the Nobodies, the fight song, and Disposable Teens. Fight song is like burnt Ooh, into my head. Oh my God. On, and the, also, on the football pitch. All I really, all I wanted in life was to go in, like when I remember when Disposable Teens came out mm-hmm. and there was another Limp Biscuit song. They're, they're on stage and there's like a metal grate in front of me. It's like my generation. <laughs> I wish I was there. Yeah, and actually knowing it would be like a really horrifying experience. Well, we all know what being at a Limp Biscuit show is like now, don't right. we? Um, I also remember a few other songs that came out around the same time um, that were not new metal, such as Lady Marmalade. Actually a pop culture event in itself as well, right. similar to all Ariana. All these four people. Like, everyone was so hyped. I think it was 2001. Missy Elliott, so Get Your Freak On, was like 2001 as well. Classic. The other one that really stuck in my head was The Avalanches, Frontier Psychiatrist. Do you remember that? Yeah. That one as well was one that I just remember all the time. And also, obviously, the one that I wanted to definitely give a shout out, which was the first one I thought of, like, hands down when we were going to discuss this, is Nine Inch Nails Closer, (laughs) was directed by Mark Romanek, who directed One Hour Photo, Never Let Me Go. And, like... Scream by Michael Jackson, Hurt, Johnny Cash, Shake It Off by Taylor Swift. And it is just like... It's such a good video. Well steampunk with the like is mechanical it? pulsating heart yeah. and the goggles and the BDSM and the yeah. leather. It's just literally like the best video ever. Um, two others I just wanted to give a quick quick shout out to, or a few others, sorry. Um, the Ramstein videos. Oh my God, yeah. Sonna and Ickville. Yeah, Ick. 
yeah. real. Also, like there was that period of time where like then like emo bands and like pop punk bands yes. started making music videos. So mm-hmm. I remember Thursday. There's a glass jaw video for Cosmopolitan Bloodlust has got Vincent Gallo in it, which I was sort oh my. of like weirdly obsessed, <laughs> obsessed with. with. Um, Newfound Glory. I remember vividly. My knowing, friends over you. I remember my friends that, over yeah. you with all the cameo appearances yeah. from people. Another cameo appearance. Another cameo. Um, the video for Avril Lavigne's Complicated. Yes. I remember like knowing you know that entire build up where everyone the, the boys are like sat on the sidewalk yeah. and she comes mm-hmm. skating up. I used to be able to quote that. Like really, where it's like, dude, wanna crash the mall? Oh, okay, yeah. That, okay. Yeah, remember that. Um, and then obviously like the period of time when my chemical romance became a big thing. Yes, and they had always had like phenomenal music. I'm not videos. okay. Was a three. I'm not okay. Yeah. Is like legit. An amazing video. What a video. I also obviously got very, like, Into the Cure as my all-time favourite band around that age. Um, And there were loads of music videos that were directed by Tim Pope, who's their, like, frequent music director they always play with. I always remember Close to Me where they're in the wardrobe, like, falling off the cliff. And um, I think the first one I ever saw was Pictures of You, um, which is, like, in the snow. And, yeah, just loads of Cure. Cure videos are very good. Cure videos are such a good thing to sort of, like, Mm -hmm. sit and watch. I never tire of doing that. I I definitely went through a real period of time of, like, catching up and kind of going back and and Yes, same, exactly. And I think that would have been on YouTube. Yeah, definitely. I mean, so it has made it easier to do things like that. Um, the only other thing I was thinking of was I was trying to remember, as you say, like music videos that have been relatively recent that were a bit more of an event. So obviously Lady Gaga's telephone. Yep. And in fact, most Lady Gaga most videos, hers, yep. Bad Romance, oh, yep. especially, so which is Francis Lawrence. And uh, I also thought Deanne Ford is, some, like, is a band oh, yeah. that I have actually gone back and watched some YouTube videos, videos for because theirs are really weird. And then I thought we were pretty hyped on Charlie XCX boys yep. um, with all of those cameos. That was a good time. And personally, uh, Harry Styles' Kiwi was a slight event in that we had to go and, like, I came out on my lunch break to watch it with you. We so. watched it together on a phone in prep. Yes. Not such a not such a social gathering for everyone else, but for my myself and for it. you. Yeah, your mum was... Suze as well. I think Suze was slightly baffled by that, wasn't she? She didn't really understand what was happening. She was just like, why are you doing this? I had this? to put our lunch on pause to be like, I'm sorry? Sit on this other table with Stephanie. I have to watch this and video, Because I need to watch this video. But they were the only ones that I could think of, and they're obviously not quite the same. But that's... They're the ones that recently, I think, have stood out to both of us. So just before we go on to sharing some um, other people's most memorable videos, um, I've got a few that I just want to shout out because um, I'm a nerd and like Are making these your all-time favourites? Well, it was really impossible for me to make a list of all-time favourites because this it would have been like a five-hour podcast. Yeah, we'll just say mine is Nine Inch Nails Closer. I mean, end. if you're going to pick one, yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one. Um, but I'll just blast through a few of my favourites. So um, Interpol's video for Slow Hands, where mm-hmm. the band are playing in a sports hall and it's lots of slow-mo and then film things filmed backwards or in double time. It's also like a peak Daniel Kessler dancing video. Lovely. So um, good eye candy that. for you. Um, I've included this one because I knew it would wind you up. Um, it's Other Side but by Red Hot Chili Peppers. <gasps> Honestly, which... I just don't, I don't get it. Okay, fine. Have you seen this video though? I'm pretty sure I have. Okay, so it's directed... Describe it to me. It's directed by um, Jonathan and Dayton and Valerie Farris. It's black and white and monochrome. It's gothic style. It's similar to the cabinet of Dr. Caliari. I feel like maybe I don't have. It's seen all this influenced one, by German expressionist I'd art still hate it and the Red cubism Hot Chili and graphic art. It's an Escher as well. It's really cool. You should watch it. Oh, it sounds a bit waffy. You could me. turn the sound <laughs> off if it was anyone else. Yeah. If I turn the sound off, do I have to look at Anthony Kiedis's face or whatever? Maybe for a second. Do you fancy him? Uh, that's for another time. Oh my. 
God, anyway, go on. Um, maps by yeah, yes. Karen cries in that. She really cried in real life when she Aww. made that. So, um, fell in love with a girl by the white stripes. Oh, yes, yes, with the Lego. Yes, with the Lego. So That's very of, clever. Loads of these are from like early 2000s when I was really impressionable. Um, Reptilia by the Strokes as well, which mm-hmm. is directed by Roman Coppola. Um, it's like a really close performance. It's like got like shots of the band's shoes and faces, and it's just really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, yeah, by Outcast. Hey, with yeah, the Ed yeah, yeah. Show. that one's a good one. Very green, green very, suit. Very, see, you remember, yeah, of course. Um, of course, I've written down uh, Telephone by Lady Gaga, of which course. was Jonas Ackland, who I didn't actually yes. know directed that. But yes. um, also, I've just written that period of time when Gaga was consistently releasing best videos, and it all amazing. We rewatched a load of them the other day uh, at like our friend for... Rob and Kim's house, and it's just so good. Judas is a great Judas video. with them. Um, Norman... Marry the Night is a great video. Yeah, Marry the Night is good. I like... Paparazzi oh. with Alex Skarsgård. Um, Judas has Norman Reedus in it. Oh my god, I forgot. Yes, they're no, totally but... banged. Yeah. 100% bang. Um, so. There are a couple of really, really good We Are Scientists videos. So Nobody Move, Nobody Get Hurt and The Great Escape. Who is would... that My Body Is Your Body? Yeah, yeah. that one. Um, they were directed... <laughs> I do remember that video. They were directed by Kiva Schaefer, who from The Lonely Island, which is pretty cool. Oh. Back to Fat Boy Slim as well, Weapon of Choice with Christopher yeah. Walken. Yeah. Oh my God, such a good right. video. Fat Boy um, Slim does have very good videos. Um, we've mentioned the Beastie Boys previously in, in this podcast and another podcast. And but, all um, other podcast episodes. I genuinely think that Intergalactic by Beastie Boys is might be my favourite music video of all time. Very good video. So good when it's set in Japan, but also um, Sabotage by Beastie Boys. Very, as well, very good. Is a, is a classic. Um, work by Rihanna. Her Lovely. Drake in a club. Just, that's, yeah, Drake, and everyone had to rewind and see whether Jake, Drake had a hard on. Yeah, like, sexual During attention. the uh, sexy dancing, of yep. course. Um, Cry Me a River by Justin Timberlake. And I remember the yes. first time I watched this, I just couldn't get over the fact that the girl in the video looks exactly like Britney Spears, which was 100% on purpose. Oh, yeah, it was 100% on purpose. I mean, Justin Timberlake still hasn't stopped referencing. Referencing Britney Spears even now, so get over let's it, just mate. get over it. Um, the I'm Not Okay video, My Chemical Romance, very much a movie trailer for a teen movie. Um, 99 Problems by Jay Z, who's directed by Mark. Um, Roman Echo. Yes, well. very um, good. And also uh, a goodie, a classic, uh, California Love by Tupac, which is Hype Williams. Yes, yeah, I do remember that as well. It's pretty yeah. mad, Maxi. So there are just a few of my favourites. Very um, good. I really could have spent hours doing this. But um, have you got a list of some of the ones that other people shared with us? Yes. Thank you very much for your input again. You're always very, very good with this. So uh, Von, aka Venom Defender, our Stephen. <laughs> yes, what a title. Um, yeah, quite, quite the title. She's not living that down for a while. Um, so she gave me a list which is very on brand so she said Backstreet Boys Everybody a classic such a good video I was obsessed with Spice that. Girls Wannabe Beyonce Single Ladies which actually thinking about it is a yeah is a very like very well executed video it's very good very cool Daft Punk Around the World yeah Troy Sivan's uh Blue Neighbourhood Trilogy, OK Go, Here It Goes. Very good oh, shout. So they're really good at making music videos, OK really, Go. Really, really good. They always make like the top list, don't yeah. they, OK Go videos. Uh, One Direction, Best Song Ever, obviously. Uh, Foo Fighters, Learn to Fly. There's quite a few Foo Fighters videos. Yeah, I can that imagine. I think, uh, Taylor Swift, Blank Space, Aha, Take On Me, another classic. Um, Carly Rae Jepsen, I Really Like You. Is it Sia? I say Sia, Sia but... Sia, Sia, Shia. Chandelier and Dua Lipa New Rules, which is also a very good video. Which is the Sia video that's got Shia LaBeouf in like... I've and never watched the Sia dancing. video in my life. Okay, after, we watched, after we've recorded this podcast, I'm going to show you the one where it's Shia LaBeouf dancing. Okay. I can't believe you've never seen it. I, I would happily watch Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, fine. I don't go. care about her, but yeah, fine. Ashley spoke about wasting credit on her phone to Karan to request Linkin Park <laughs> All Good Charlotte. Standard. Uh, also, Baby One More Time. She had to have the hairbands after that. NSYNC Bye 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 on the train. Oh, good with the, one. Yeah, very good. And Justin Timberlake, Crimea River. And also George Michael Outside 
with the loose. Yes. So good. Iconic. Brilliant. Um, Heather said Hotline Bling by Drake, Everlong by Foo Fighters, Paper Cuts by Linkin Park, and Skater Boy by Avril. Good choice. Bailey said Some 41 Fat Lip, which I remember very, very intensely. Yeah. Slipknot Duality, same. Beastie Boys, Intergalactic. Uh, Honourable Mentions to Bloodhound Gang, Bad Touch, and Wu-Tang Gravel Pit, another oh, very, one. very iconic video. Uh, Rob said any video by Guar. Dirty by Christina Aguilera. Too yeah. dirty to clean her actor. Too dirty to clean her actor. Actually, didn't we... Were you there? Where, who was I with? We rewatched that recently. And I just felt really sad by it because she looks a lot younger than I remember. She looks really, really young. And it just time. feels a bit... Sordid? It does feel quite sordid. More See, sordid... It's not sordid. It's seedy. Seedy. But not in like a sexy way. Not like good seedy. There is such thing as a good no. seedy. Um, like exploitative seedy. Yeah. So not good. And Spiderwebs by No Doubt. Georgie said Fleetwood Mac Big Love is just the best video. Uh, Everlong by the Foo Fighters. Uh, she also watched MTV constantly so she could catch Ricky Martin. Yep, same. Uh, Bush letting the cable sleep so I could look at Gavin. Fine. She loves Gavin. Greenish. <laughs> Green Day Basket Case, Soundgarden Black Hole Sun, and Natalie and Brulia Torn. Oh, that's a great one. Very good one. The guy that's in that was in uh, Holby City for ages, and I just thought he really? was so cool. Yeah, I didn't know that. I remember quite fancying him. The Foo Fighters video for Everlong is very, very good. good. It's a very good um, Michelle Gondry video. Foo, Foo Fighters are very they good. They always do very good. Well. well, they went through a period of doing very good videos. Yeah. John Dax said Peter Gabriel Sledgehammer, which oh, is that's a, a, classic. a very big classic. Uh, Ellie said, I based my dissertation largely on pop videos, focusing specifically on Hit Me Baby One More Time Dirty Single Ladies and my favourite Madonna's Justify My Love which I remember being definitely too young to have watched she also remembers being very terrified by Slipknot's Left Behind Tom Holmes I've put in brackets The Oracle because he's just very good at this I'm going to go through these very quickly because it goes on for a while Bjork's All Is Full of Love Apex Twins Window Liquor both directed by Chris Cunningham Far Sides Drop some of these I don't even know Biggie Sky's The Limit Daft Punk's Defunk, Fatboy Slim's Praise You, They're All Spike Jones, Chemical Brothers, Let Forever Be, White Stripes Fell In Love With A Girl, Bjork's Hyper Ballad, Daft Punk's Around The World, Foo Fighters' Everlong, all directed by Michael Gondry, Radiohead's Karma Police, very good, good Jamiroquai's Virtual Insanity, Bjork's Big Time Sensuality, Peter Gabriel's Sledgehammer, uh, Michael Jackson's Leave Me Alone. Uh, he also gave notable mentions for Korn's Freak on a Leash, of course. It's a classic. And uh, almost all the OK Go videos I've seen. And Missy Elliott, Hype Williams used to kill it back in the day too. Bod, and this is a very Bod list, you will agree. Uh, Bod said Feeder just today. So good. Yep. Homegrown, You're Not Alone. Oh, that's a good yeah. one. Foo Fighters Learn to Fly, yep. Robbie Williams Rock DJ, Electric Six, Danger High Voltage. Oh my God, with Abraham Lincoln. Yes. Dr. Dre, Eminem, Guilty Conscience. Oh, Great video. Corn Freak on a Leash. This is clearly coming out as the yeah, winner. And the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Don't know who they are. Californication. Classic. Flick said Lady Gaga, Judas, Telephone, Bad Romance, or basically any of her videos. Mariah Carey, Heartbreaker. Britney, Toxic, and Christina Dirty. I think that one's coming out second. <laughs> uh, and Simon said he remembers being slightly obsessed with Radiohead videos in the 90s. Uh, Lizzie said Son by Ramstein. Again, very good. 
Do you have any further additions? Yes. So um, here are some responses I had on uh, Twitter and Instagram when I uh, asked for some contributions. Uh, Jacqueline from High Expectations said, Karma Police by Radiohead, Pure Morning by Placebo. Oh my God, that's so good. On the ledge. Yeah, on the ledge. Oh. Um, Tonight Tonight by Smashing Pumpkins. Very good. Um, Zia said Everlong by the Foo Fighters, which I think that's the one that's been consistently referenced, I think. Everlong and... Yeah, Everlong and... Um, uh, corn freak on a leash. Yeah, yeah right. Um, Christina said, um, everyone always says Backstreet's back, but as long as you love me, blew my mind. Oh, I thought it was so cool. And so thinks it's going to be me in a similar way. And bye, bye, bye. In terms so. of rock videos, I probably spent three days downloading Red Hot Chili Peppers' Other Side. Oh, I hate you all. Um, Tori said, Black or White by Michael Jackson. Has so good. Um, all is Full of Love by Bjork. Um, mm-hmm. Terry said, Star Guitar by The Chemical Brothers. Charlotte said, Any Hype Williams videos, especially Missy Elliott. Yes. Steph Copsey said, We didn't have Sky, so my friend from school used to take videos off Kerrang! For me, highlights included Linkin Park, Crawling, Audio Slave, Cochise, Hell, Celebrity Skin, and of course, OK Go, Here It Goes Again. Yes. Hef said, Try, Try, Try by Smashing Pumpkins. Mm-hmm. Um, Freya says, Sometimes by Britney Spears, the fit oh bloke God. dancing on the pier. I thought he was an angel. Oh my God, so good. Uh, Mikey said, um, Heart Shaped Box by Nirvana. Blew my mind when I saw it. I didn't have MTV or anything, and it, and it was when Nirvana was so big, my mum hated it. Oh. Uh, Wesley said, Corn, Freak on a Leash. Of course, Got he him did. stoked on heavy music. And he also mentioned um, Amen's Price of reality which is like such that'll a- be why when i came home the other night he was watching amen videos yeah because he'd been speaking to you so it's brilliant um and then pete said let forever be by chemical rub brothers um dropped by the far side daft punks interstellar 555 which is all anime um i've just wanted to mention quickly because i didn't when we were talking about spike jones i have such a crush on spike jones i don't think i know what spike jones looks like He's very handsome. i'm gonna do a google you won't like him we're... oh you know me too well now at this point so think about the late 90s a early bit like- 2000s. He um, was married to Sofia Coppola. And I genuinely thought like that's my dream. I know, I life. think I did. Know. Do you not think he looks a little bit like Wes Anderson? Yeah, why is that? Is that why you fancy him? He looks like if Wes Anderson and Viggo Mortensen had a child. I can kind of see that. But I would definitely bang Viggo Mortensen more. But fine for like a normie person. Yeah, fine. Just to really undermine this really intelligent conversation (laughs) about music videos. Shall we rank all of our favourite music video directors by their looks? I probably could do that. Yeah, we could definitely do that. Anyway, thank you for everyone that um, shared their thoughts on music videos. Um, If I can find the time, I'll construct a big list of links to various videos that seem to have been referenced quite a lot so you can go and give them a watch if you um haven't seen them already Mm -hmm. so just before we end the podcast uh obsession of the week my obsession of the week it's been around for a little while now so the dust has settled but it's still a big question mark in my mind why was harry styles at a bring me the horizon show and why was his hat so large there are two questions there for you if you know the answer to these questions please let us know we are baffled by both of them has harry become a grebo in 2018 I has can't... he discovered bring me the horizon now i i really enjoyed your scathing criticism about this because the main thing you were really getting that really got your goat was like why in 2018 has he become a bring me the horizon honestly fan? like it's like worlds colliding it really is but in a really weird like this is his choice as well it's in a it's in a way of that all I the bands don't approve of or enjoy ali pally to see bring me the horizon to hang out with ollie so Sy- don't become friends with ollie all, Sykes. The, all the cool bands that he could have seen at ali honestly. pally recently i saw all Interpol of the, there like, last year he wasn't there he is like literally friends with like fleetwood matt like what what bring me her the horizon you, you were actually Nicks- seen like stevie nicks didn't tell you to go there come on now rude like also the big hat has to go the big hat's not the big nice. hat is not okay not. it is weird it's big 
my obsession of the week, but maybe not in a good way. It's judging Harry. Yeah. What is yours? Well, actually, I know where this is going. So we've got another... uh, I'm going to give you the floor for about three and a half minutes. I I can see you've got a paragraph there. Go on, April. Steph, last week the best thing ever has happened to me in my entire life. What is that? Jake Gyllenhaal got Instagram. Oh my God. So last Thursday... I, I didn't know this at all. You hadn't told me. I've told everyone about five times. Literally each. has. Last Thursday, Jake Gyllenhaal shared a video of himself on Instagram reading a Spider-Man comic. The comic was titled The Return of the Man Called Mysterio, which not only confirmed his appearance in the new Spider-Man film, but also ushered his way into the social media landscape. And I don't under- don't think you understand just how much this blew my tiny mind. Firstly, I feel like this is so unlike Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal is like an aggressively private person. He's like a dinosaur, but like a hot dinosaur. Like a really hot dinosaur, but like not into social media in the slightest and just like all that element of publicity. Jake Gyllenhaal's quite a private person, so private. Say the least. That once someone asked him in an interview what sandwich he'd had for lunch and he refused to tell them because he liked to keep things to himself. Honestly. So Crazy. it's very strange. So um, this we so we're agreeing that this is very much a publicity thing. He's only doing it, I think, because he has joined the MCU. And they've been like, if you're in in the MCU, you have to well, be like a bit out there with your social so media, or at least have an account. I've been Jake. checking his Instagram account like four times a day at least. Okay, but he's only shared. Can you turn on notifications. Yeah, yet? good. I have. Um, he's only shared that one video he only follows 41 people the is ma- one of them you no okay the majority of them are like other famous people that he's friends with but also a lot of the spider-man, Spider-Man cast, cast. um he also storied himself last week when he appeared at brazil's comic-con experience yes so over the weekend he was like instagram storying it and appearing in instagram stories with tom do you Holland. think someone has to show him how to do an instagram story yeah probably i just can't cope do you think he's gonna get really into instagram and end up keeping it i worry that it will be the undoing of Jake Gyllenhaal. And his mystery. Yeah, because I just think he's so aloof. No one knows anything about his life. That's why you like him, right? Yeah. I mean, the plus side to this, I've thought about this a lot, as you can tell, is that he might share pictures of his really nice dog. Yeah, and maybe his belly. And his tummy. He's got a really nice German shepherd called... I thought you were going to say, he's got a really nice He's got a nice tummy, um, but he's got a nice... German Shepherd called Leo, so I suppose he might just share pictures of his dog. But Mm -hmm. I just find it's very odd, but I'm here for it and desperately crave more content. Speaking of social media, Army and Justin Theroux. Oh my god. That's a good one, wasn't it? That was really funny because it happened. That was a fun day. It happened quite late at night and no one was awake. I was posting screenshots from the Instagram stories in our group chat that we have. Being like, oh my god! Um, So Army Hammer and Justin Theroux were like running around. They're like buddies hanging out in New York. No, not New York, Washington. Washington, DC, and it was like them going to different places in Washington and sharing pictures and videos. None of the videos actually make any sense, really. No. They're just weird slow-mo most of the time. Um, and then it transpired that they were there to meet Ruth Bader Ginsburg mm-hmm. because they're both starring in the film biopic of um, her life, which is coming out the end of this month, I mm-hmm. think, which probably means we'll get it in like six months' time. Two years. Two yeah. years. But, but two very handsome men in It was such a treat. My, I just really enjoyed it. So it's been a great week for hot people on Instagram. Oh my God, so much. As always. Um, that's the episode done you can find us online twitter we're at the thirst soundcloud.com forward slash the thirst pod you can subscribe and review us on apple Podcasts by searching the thirst instagram we're at the thirst pod the thirstpod.tumblr.com is where you can find lots of articles that we've referenced in the episode and you can email us if you'd like to the thirst pod at gmail.com bye bye, bye.